In the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Looking to buy or sell a home? Look no further than Alaska's number one real estate team at alaskashometeam.com. Decades of local experience, knowledge, and expertise in the competitive real estate market. Alaska's home team makes buying or selling your home a breeze. Give them a call today at 907-277-3777. Lady with the plan, your own Alaska event planner. From scouting the perfect location to planning the tiniest details, specializing in event management and production for intimate social gatherings, retreats, birthdays, bridal, and baby showers. Find Lady with the plan on Instagram. The Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off of Arctic and 58th. Handcrafted Alaskan-made colonial ciders. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Stop by today and taste an award-winning cider. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska. Built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation. Find their products, such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce carts, and more at the Treehouse AK and other dispensaries around the state. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Serrano's Mexican Grill, two locations, one on Tudor, one on Northern Lights. The Northern Lights location has their new tequila bar. Check it out. Also see their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include snow and ice management, weekly lawn care, and more. Get your free estimate today at lawnproak.com. Christmas holiday. Call. It's pointing right at you, so holiday make sure calls. you look good. <laughs> He's like, is that camera pointing right at me? I was like, it looks like it's pointing right you at you, bud. You can't hide behind your cousin, yeah. bro. See how you switch sides? Shovel hat yeah, let, over it, there. let it be, man. He's got yeah. the D hat. He's got the D. <laughs> yeah. He went to his right side. His right side must be his good side. That's a Detroit. The Tigers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah see, we need to get him some, you know, the hot dogs or, you know, Daniel's dogs. Well, he said he wants that hat. Oh, yeah, go over there and put that one on, man. Come on. We can't be having you out here with some Detroit. With the the blue hat or the dad hat? Whatever one he wants over there. Yeah. They should yeah. make Anchorage hats like that. How about they the, do. Is that the Bucks? Can you wear the one in the middle? No, they have an A. They do? They have there like an go. A one and they have yeah. like a Bucks one. 
Yeah, that's the one for you right yeah, there, that is Pat. The one. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna look real good. That's actually the last one. Damn. That's bro, actually the last last. I, I was upset you? about the ASMR. I didn't know about the the you know the ASMR freaking can open. That's oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. 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 I didn't get the I didn't get the memo. Oh, you didn't get the memo on that. Yeah. See, yeah, that's that's, that's how we know prepping. if you've been listening or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a test that I, and I really failed. <laughs> Some of the people are here ready. Like, oh, what? 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 Uh, uh, caribou call, baby. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's not too late. So anytime during the show, uh, you can just put that there. sucker right. It's just as good as the first one, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that one has a caribou on it too. What's you want, that? You want some pizza, bro? Yeah, you're hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah go peace, ahead. Man. Go ahead. Jack brought that from. Yeah, the, that's um, Coast Pizza down from in the coast, coast. Yeah, yeah. Just got off the ski mountain. So. Oh, that's the. Is that? I mean, as I an Alaskan, I, I think it's my top three favorite I love pizza place, Coast, Coast Pizza. pizza. Whoa, you want to go so top, three top three Alaska pizza? Top three. I didn't say the best. I said top three. All right, what's the other two? I don't know just yet, but I just know that at least <laughs> they're in the top three. So the, it's already a bomb pizza, but you're always getting it like on your way back from Whittier or yes. some adventure or a day of skiing. Oh, and you so want? it even tastes better. Yes. So oh, it, like oh, it, it's easy food. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And it's like it's thin like crust, the, the a lot of good cheese. Yeah, dude. Some gnarly ass heartburn later. Mm-hmm. Just get it all. Man, it does fuck me up, man. Beer oh, and pizza now. Oh, dude. Even yeah, with the know. intermittent fasting? Uh, no. No. Since I switched to that, I mean, I get it like lightly. Yeah. Lightly. Like if I'm eating pizza and I'm still drinking beer and it's like midnight, then I'll get it. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, if I'm drinking beer, it's after, it's late, it's after a hockey game or something. And so yeah. that eliminates the fasting right. time yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it still gets it, but I don't have to take any like antacids. Yeah. No, I try not to. Only if I'm doing like a late night, like, you know, late, like three o'clock and yeah, then you get yeah. the pizza or oh, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Or, you're you know, like, you're oh, eating oh, late, you're you come home and you're just like, rah, red yeah. sauce. Go straight and just to bed. You. Yeah. That's yeah. straight to bed and just wake up at four. Like, <clears throat> yeah, choking on it. Oh my oh, God. Man, it's don't the worst. even get me started on that. Uh, welcome to Alaska yeah. Wild Project, episode 44. Um, hope everybody had a very good Christmas. This show is happening after Christmas, and I believe it's going to happen after New Year's. So, Happy New Year's to everyone yeah. bringing in the 22. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A couple of things Last before one. we get the thing started. Um, thank you to everyone that's been going down to Barney's and picking up some of the merch out there, some of the shirts and hoodies and beanies and stuff like that. Um, that's been really flying off the shelves. We got some new stuff on the way going for that. Thank you to everyone, that the new Patreon members. Um, if you're not a Patreon member, please go to patreon.com slash Alaska Wild Project or just go to the website. Um, that's probably the best way to support us. Uh, alaskawildproject.com thank you for the new apple podcast reviews and a simple subscribe to the youtube youtube channel helps a lot so thank you to all the people that are doing that um we really really appreciate it and uh i, I guess i'm just going to say like how was christmas uh man it was it, it came fast and it went fast and i can't believe it's already done 2022 yeah. yeah it's it's close yeah yeah, no. I mean, it was uh, it was a, it was a full running gun, leading up to the holiday, and these having Friday, Saturday, Sunday off slowed it way down. So I felt like I got a chance to really soak up the holiday, not being able to prepare, just because it was so fast. It was nice for everything to just come to a dead halt, and I really did feel that effect uh, in a positive way. So great time with the family and some friends, and um, yeah, dude, grateful for. For everything nice. this year, Christmas was great, man. Yeah. Jackie, how about yeah. you? Lots of love and joy. Um, 
uh, our December holiday season was all about getting the the twins, uh, the five year olds, uh, all getting them to become all mountain skiers at Alaska. So no double black diamonds, but get them up to like be able to do a black diamond nice. and uh, just be self sufficient, stand up. You know they've been skiing for two years, but so we, man, we. I think I told you guys nine nine days they've done and they've made these just drastic jumps and it feels good as a dad and now I can you know <laughs> ski more more than out and have fun with them outside in the winter you know yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's it that was that was just uh, great and then uh, yeah I was blessed I didn't lose my finger um, so that was good so yeah looking forward to another year around the sun for sure nice nice uh, we did a lot of ice fishing um, I went up to Big Lake with um, Dustin from the bait shack out there showed me a bunch of hot spots oh, out yeah. there, a little technique stuff like that. Hot intel tips. or what? Yeah, I got some intel. Damn. Can't see it on the mic. Catch oh, the hard water hustler yeah, coming man. through, dude. He caught, dude. He caught a, um, he caught a uh, a sockeye. Oh, oh, I saw that picture. That dude, was red. Oh, we yeah. thought it was a huge was? char, and it was yeah, a sockeye. Yeah, I thought it was a spawned yeah, out yeah. char. That was a red. It was a, it was a sockeye, red. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy, oh, dude. Had that green like in head. December, dude, and it was like that thing was monstrous. Yeah. And he just attacked that thing that he had on there. So he was just showing me all his little techniques and how to use his. Um, I've never gone with, um, with the uh, electronics. You know, he has mm. the hummingbird mm -hmm. and the camera and all that stuff. Yeah, and what like, do these do? How to use it? So the hummingbird sonar. It, it's it's like a kind of like a sonar thing. So initially, when you go to punch the holes, it. You can just drop it in real quick and read how far deep it is. Uh -huh. So it'll be like, oh, we're at 27 feet. And then we'll go to the next one, punch another hole, and be like, oh, we're at 17, 10. And we'll just yeah, yeah. go out from like 30 into like five to three feet. Uh -huh. And then once you have your holes and you set that hummingbird in there, um, which is really cool. It only needs to go like right below the ice. It doesn't need to go all the way down. And it reads like a lighted um, arc. Mm -hmm. And... As you are moving, jigging up and down, you see your green arc going from the bottom to the top. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's like almost like a half moon mm -hmm. that goes from, you know, yellow to green to red or green to yellow to red. And then on the end, you'll see your green arc of that's your bait or your or your hook. And big like you can't use bait, but it's your artificial lure mm -hmm. that you're going up and down. And you can see it pretty much going up and going down like that. And so mm -hmm. you're like kind of bouncing it off the bottom. And as you go up, you'll see another arc. That's a fish that's going to track after, Ooh. tracks after yours. So you'd be like, boom, or you'll see one up here and you'll, and you'll move your, 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 um, hook your lure up yeah, to yeah. the to the level of that arc yeah. and just be like da, 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 and bounce it right there and then you'll see it like move and you'll just it basically kind of reads that section of yeah. of lake between the ice and the floor of the yeah, ice yeah, yeah. um so it was really cool to go out with him i do got some finger lake plans to go out there austin oh, yeah. um, thanks to austin um Manelik from mission alaska yep. um he wants to go out to finger lake and show me some spots out nice. there palmer boys and all that so we still got those plans Love finger lake. um to go out there and do that and we you know we're building tunnels and ice fishing and yeah. it was good that's yeah. awesome philip that's dope i'm just i'm just taking it all this it's a di different type of technique because i fishing like we didn't do any ice fishing growing up we i mean born and raised here uh just hit the keen eyes and stuff like that in the summertime and it's like just like you talking about that, it's like, man, that's a whole different science. Yeah, science oh, yeah. To it. There yeah it, 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 there's a science to it. And that was the first time I ever brought the electronics. Like yeah. I, I maybe started ice fishing during the pandemic. I was like, what can I do? I brought out my kids to go out there and just something to get away from people. And it was his idea. My oldest son is like addicted to fishing, um, fly fishing, any kind of fishing. He just loves it. 
And so he, he, I don't know, he's like on YouTube one day and he just saw ice fishing. He's like, we can do that. I was like, yeah, we can do that. And so we ended up going and it's just been progressing, dude. Like now we got augers and we got ice houses and, we're, you know, I got the hummingbird on the list to yeah. go get the hummingbird That's and dope. all and all that stuff. And then you, as you get into it, you find other people that are already like know what they're doing, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And then you're like, oh, I want to go with you so That's you can right, show yeah, me yeah, what you're yeah, doing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, what am I doing wrong or what's some cool tips and stuff like that? And it's just been a really cool uh, learning experience um, adventure to get out with, uh, my sons and my wife and whoever wants to come out there. It's fun I've been activity, getting, man. Yeah. It's so it's much fun. Activity. It's yeah. so much fun. I think you get, um, <clears throat> a lot of seasonal workers in Alaska, guys that bust their ass all summer in construction or other, um, you know, seasonal obligations of time that you get a lot of people that ice fish cause yeah. now they're off work. You know, Daniel, yeah. for instance, is a, teacher works for the school district he's got those nice big chunks of time off yeah. it's holidays and stuff so it's like perfect for you right yeah and oh, it's yeah. seriously a time to just chill right and, and be in that moment yeah be in oh, the definitely. moment of ice fishing you're not worried about bills you're not worried about exactly that's great yeah you're not worried about great. the ex-girlfriend well, you're not said, worried about nothing uh, yeah. it's, it's almost like yep. you're going camping right. in the winter time yep. yeah because i I mean, I bring the grill, trip, dude. Yeah. I bring the grill. I bring the firewood. We're having fires. We're cooking meats. We're fishing. You know, we have a couple tents out there. The kids are running around with the sleds. And I was just talking to Alexia about starting to bring the skis. Oh, yeah. Because you mm -hmm. go out to the lake, and there's so many different activities going yeah. on. Um, like, if you're out at Big Lake, I mean, I saw people, you know, obviously oh snow God, machining dude. around. People are riding their four-wheelers around. Right. People are flying kites. People are kiteboarding. Um, people are just sledding by their cabin. There's just, like, snow, snow, bikes, snow bikes, snow biking around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, like, if whatever you're into, whether what, what it is as a winter activity, yeah. you can go do it at the lake. You might not be into ice fishing, mm -hmm. so like, but you might be into, into Nordic skiing or cross-country skiing or sledding or biking, and you can come do that because every place that we've gone to, there's other people that are doing that activity. Yeah. It's like a multi-activity thing. Yep. yep. Mixing you know? it up. And it's funny because, like, the trip he was explaining, like, the ice fishing is more of a byproduct of the outing. Like, we're, we're going ice fishing. Yeah. We bring all our shit, and then we're, like, punching holes and setting up, and then we're like, ah, crack, 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 get a fire going, and we're just, like, really yeah, doing that every once in a while. Hey, rod's yeah, down. Hey, <laughs> there we go. It's like, so it's more of just the outing and, and you know, something fun to do because you can only sit cooped up in the house in the winter for so long, right? I mean, you haven't had to experience that much because you've been down in Colorado, right? Uh, uh, Wyoming. Or Wyoming, excuse yeah. me. Um, but you remember, right? Yeah. yeah you remember yeah. the long, cold winters? Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, like it just, it gets old after a while. Well, let me introduce Philip. We didn't yeah, introduce Philip here. Man. We have Philip Vallejo, Vallejo, Vallejo from uh, Modern Day Sniper. From Vallejo. Um, do you get that a lot? <laughs> Uh, people kind of butcher it. It's all right. <laughs> Vallejo is Vallejo. Oh, it's not Vallejo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that song from? Uh, That's West Coast. You should know that. Um, <laughs> Pepe, what is it? Vallejo. Uh, uh, is well, so we were just we were just talking about this. It's, it's it's so it's pronounced Vallejo in 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 Tagalog. Oh, or in our, okay. in our in our but but most people pronounce it Vallejo and Filipino. In yeah, Filipino. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so Vallejo. Val yeah, Vallejo is the actual like American, I guess, pronunciation yeah. of it. Yeah, it's like Batrago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, where how's, it's it, how's it properly pronounced uh, again? Vallejo. Vallejo. Yep. Vallejo. I like that a lot better. It's Vallejo. like an E. Vallejo. <laughs> Air burrito. Yeah. Air there burrito. You go. <laughs> what What area is your family from uh, in the Philippines? Uh, Manila. Manila. Yep. Yeah, yep. the city. Yep. Yeah. 
Nice. The what? Mecca. The Mecca. Yeah, the Mecca. Yeah, the Mecca. Yeah. Yeah. I got to check that place out for the first time Were you? back in 19. Nice. Man. I like was it? Yeah, Oh, I loved it. Cool. I loved it. I loved the Philippines. Um, it was a culture shock. Because I'm an Alaskan dude. I haven't, like, traveled the world a lot. I've been around the States and been in a few big cities, and, you know, that's always a little bit of a shock. If you're born and raised an Alaskan kid, like, even just living in Anchorage, you go to, like, Dallas or L.A. or someplace, and it's like, whoa, shit, this is like... I'm feeling real uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is not what I'm used to. But when I went there, it was, like, the third world country dynamic and just, like, it was... Shit got real. Like, I, I realized that America is, like, almost a fantasy land when there's folks that are living the way they are in so many folks in such a small area and so many constraints and, but then also the beauty of it, because we went way out in the country and stayed out there and, uh, man, it was just like, I, I've never seen so many happy people with very little mm. that it made me realize like, Appreciate wow, happiness is found in such simple things. Yeah. Then a nice house place. and a new truck and a new four wheeler and snow machine and all this other bullshit that we feel like we all got to have and mm -hmm. have because our buddies have it and our brother has it or whoever, you know. And like you go there and it's like, man, just an afternoon beer in the sun and uh, lumpias. Some just, lumpia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. It's, yeah. it's oh, where the it's food's at. Food's got to be amazing. Yeah. So I love Philip. There's kinda, actually a lot of correlation between Filipino food and South American food. Yeah. It's yeah. very, very oh, close. Definitely. Yeah, Why is that? Definitely. Do you know? Um, because the Spaniards raped and pillaged. Yeah, the Spanish pillaged them as well. Yeah, they sure did. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. makes sense. Well, I think visiting any any uh, second or third world country is highly beneficial to any young anyone from America, any young person, or any especially someone from a small um, town. I guess Anchorage isn't really a small town, but it kind of it, is. It is. Um, and you go out there and you go to these third world countries, whether it's you know Colombia or Manila or or Bogota, or even anywhere in Mexico, yeah. and you're like, you see these little kids that have no clothes on, and they're just trying to do whatever they can, you yeah. just appreciate, like, you're over here worried about, like, the new four-wheeler, and, like, this mm -hmm. kid doesn't even have, like, shoes on. You know, it's just insane. Yeah. It just yeah. makes you appreciate everything that you have, um, which, you know, we are appreciative of everything we oh, have. Oh, man. Yep, yeah, I, know. Right. I was I was bitching about something last week, and I was just like, chill, like, Things are going pretty good. Things yeah. are going pretty good. I got a roof and a car and a fridge full of food and, you know, I don't Heat have to. and yeah. electricity and yeah, clean water, water exactly. and a toilet and it's just like, whoa. Philip, do you get a chance to go home very often? Uh, so I think we were just talking about before the podcast. Uh, I came yeah. home earlier this year for a family reunion. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, so there's, I think, 60-something of us uh, yeah. Yeah. from the first generation. So my mom, uh, on my mom's side, uh, there's 11 brothers and sisters. That's how I'm related to, uh, this guy here. Um, and, uh, that yeah, looks good on him, by the way. There's yeah, 11 yeah. of them. Very and then, nice. and then Let me zoom in on the camera. I think, I think, I think, I think we're considered first generation. That's what we consider ourselves as. So there's 29 of us. And then there's like 36 or 30, 30 something of our, of our kids. Oh. So I've got a daughter. Mm -hmm. He's got three kids. Uh, so it was cool okay. to, to bring it all together. And I mean, I mean, growing up here for the first 15 years of my life, I mean, every winter we had the same shit, you know, uh, Thanksgiving, 
Uh, we had uh, the same parties at the same house. My grandpa and grandpa's birthday parties. Yeah, yeah birthday yeah. parties, um, Christmas time and stuff like that. So it was really awesome to bring my daughter here to, mm. to kind of experience that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we were we were super close uh, as cousins growing up. Oh, okay. Uh, first cousins? Here. Yeah, first yeah. cousins. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, like brothers then. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, that's a very a similar um, relationship, too, between South American and Filipino. Like, I'm so close with all my first cousins. There's like 60 of us. Yeah, yeah. And my wife is like, how do you, like, know all these people that are, like, yeah. in Florida and New York and Colombia and Germany and just as, like, all these cousins. Like, oh, this is my cousin Pablo. This is my cousin Felipe. This is my cousin. And yeah. she's like, I have, like, two cousins that I know or even talk to. I was like, no, nah, we, like, we grow up uh, with yeah. these people. Yeah. Like, yeah. every it's Christmas, a, it's a every culture. New Year's, it's, like, yeah. there's all of us, like, running around. Was yeah. it maybe a little different in the 80s and in early 90s, too? Maybe as far as like oh yeah, without all how, the social media the and stuff like that. Generation before you yeah. handled the phone, oh, yeah, the like phone, like yeah. you didn't have the phone, so <clears throat> I feel like sometimes you're like, oh, I don't need to see this person because I can just like FaceTime them, or if I talk to them, it's good enough. But back then, everybody came together under one roof, mm. and that's maybe the time you saw that cousin, the one time all year. Yeah. Or the three of the, you know, one of the three times you saw them were, was going to be that that venue, that that gathering, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't feel like it's the same. It's not the my same. my family think- doesn't get together in the, the masses, like, all the first cousins, there was like 19 of you, you know, and then yeah. everybody, aunties and uncles and everybody, like, feels like we don't get together that same way. Well, we like, live, it, we live, like, yeah, we all we all grew up in uh, like oh. Jewel Lake too. Yeah, oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah, Jewel Lake area. Oh, so you were extra super tight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. so like you weren't coming from too far to. And so the main hub was uh, uh, Lola and Lola's, or Grandma and Grandpa's, right? Lola uh, and yeah. and uh, everyone, all the the siblings wanted to be within five minutes driving distance in the case something happened to them. Mm. Uh, oh. and, and stuff like that. So tight. Ultimately, take care of each other. Yeah, yeah. ultimately mm. they were. Oh, that's where all the parties were at, is at uh, Grandma and Grandpa's house. Yeah. Yeah. Lola's is Grandpa, right? Lola's uh, Lola Grandma, and then Lolo's Grandma. Lolo's, Lolo's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. So, so what, like, what happened, like, couldn't you see it as it transpired between the generations, like, your folks and their gener- their parents' generations, like, wanted to have, like, 11 kids, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I remember that being, like, way back in my family tree, but I don't know any of these people. But then you have one. Yep. Right, so like, what's changed? Oh shit, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, like, I was, you guys were just talking about like, like being grateful. It's like, man, I was just stressing about buying Christmas presents the other for day. one <laughs> kid, like a, a week ago. Yeah, like, man, <laughs> imagine buying Christmas presents for eleven kids. Yeah, yeah, no oh, kidding. Oh my goodness, uh, yeah. dude, or I, teaching eleven how to ski. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I, that's crazy. I think a lot of it has to do with just the the modern society of just like. If you're missing out, right? Yeah. And just, um, you know, when I had my uh, daughter, I was really young. Um, you know, I was 19. And uh, I, I can't imagine having, you know, kids on top of that. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the lifestyle of uh, being in the military, right? It was just like, man, I was really so, so far gone right. away from my relationship with my daughter. So um, that, that's a good question. I think who's the, uh, I think the most uh, kids that one of my cousins have, I think is, Four or maybe even five. Five? Yeah, she's got. She's got like. She's like. She's trying to make a run for eleven. Oh, like, like oh nine, trying like, to go old school. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 But uh, most of us have like one, two, three max. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's a part of it. Like 
obviously people are having less kids and also the ability to communicate with your family has highly increased uh-huh. since, you know, the seventies and eighties. Whereas now I can, I feel like I see my cousins all the time on yeah. Facebook or Instagram and you're communicating with them and even the ones that are out of country on WhatsApp and there's like group family groups and, you know, and so everyone's like constantly communicating with each other. So you don't almost feel the need mm. to like get together. Not uh-huh. as distant. Yeah, you don't feel as distant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good point. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the history. So your Alaska history, and then obviously in the military. Um, let's let's start with your Alaska history, and then move into when you went to the military and what what all perspired there. Yeah. So um, born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, spent my whole time here, um, either fishing in the summer. Uh, uh, and I played ice hockey. I was like the only, okay. one of the only uh, Filipinos yeah. on ice skates. Oh, yeah. Really? Did you and play organized hockey too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. AHA. Oh, there you go. Yeah, 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 that's what yeah, I played. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. I played for uh, uh, 11 years. Yep. Really? My parents weren't yeah. trying to pay for hockey. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. wow. So, um, <laughs> Good parents there. Uh, and, you know, again, just again, grew up. Uh, so my our family origina- uh, um, immigrated here in the 70s. Uh, and then um, I left ultimately at uh, 15 years old so i went to uh, sand lake mirrors and then diamond my freshman year and that's when we moved down to las vegas my mom's a chef she's got bad arthritis mm. and uh, she wanted to get away from the cold because mm. the, the winter times were pretty tough for her so yeah. she oh, decided bet. and convinced my dad to move to las vegas so i spent my last three years of high school there that's when uh, mm. mom and dad unfortunately got divorced uh, we kind of grew up in like a picture perfect family the whole time kind of growing up mm-hmm. uh, my cousin has other thoughts about my yeah through your lens yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but um you know that kind Good of honest cul- cousin cultivated me to uh just get the hell out of the house because uh you know at that point we were broken up and stuff like that i've got an older sister she's two years older than me and she joined the navy and so it was just me and my mom uh and i was just like I was a 4.0 student and um, I was going to go to college and, you know, do all sorts of stuff. And then that happened. So I was like, no, after this, I'm going to, I'm going to get out and join the military. Um, My sister's best or my sister's boyfriend, who's my best friend now, he lives in Alaska, born and raised here. Mm. Uh, He was a Marine and he was just telling me some stories and stuff like that. And um, I was like, man, that seems pretty cool. Like I, I had no idea what a Marine did and stuff like that until I really talked to him. And then that's kind of the route that I wanted to go. He was kind of like my uh, person that I looked up to. And uh, even though he's like five foot two. <laughs> <laughs> Just tower uh, over yeah, him. Looked up to his man. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I joined, I became a Marine. And um, first time I ever touched a rifle uh, was uh, 18 years old mm. uh, in boot camp. And, you know, uh, as, as a lot of people would say, and even as an instructor now, I say uh, that's the best way to train is no bad habits. Mm. Um, yeah. and raw uh, I, green, just right. like I soaked, man. I soaked everything in from uh, the instructors there about how to shoot a rifle properly, and um, had enough essentially uh, prerequisites from the time that I went to boot camp, and they went through uh, my uh, basic training of uh, being an infantryman. That led me when I got to my unit, it uh, set conditions for me to um, be a part of. Uh, the screener to join the scout sniper platoon for that unit. Um, that early in the game? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so it stood out right away when you guys started putting hands on rifles. It was like, oh, this kid can shoot. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, we there's three things that come, or there's four main things that come along with us through our main trajectory of our, we call it our SRB. 
which is our PFT score, um, which is like pull-ups, uh, um, a run, and uh, sit-ups for a score. Uh, your GT score, which is just uh, for what you take from an ASVAB, and then your rifle score, what you do in boot camp. And then mm. obviously your MOS, which it has to be an infantryman. So when I got to my unit, um, we got essentially pre-screened before getting to the unit. And I had met all those requirements because essentially when I got to my unit, I had the opportunity if I passed selection to be go- able to go to sniper school. Even though that wasn't the case, uh-huh. um, I was still afforded the opportunity to be a part of the platoon. So there's some disconnect there that I can probably clear up here as well. So mm-hmm. I got... So, I did a, a script, what we call it indoctrination, which is five, three to five days typically of a, just a straight gut check uh, of mental, physical exhaustion. Mm. I mean, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Test your metal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I always say this, but mama didn't raise no bitch. <laughs> and uh, I, just, I, just, I just didn't know how to quit, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, I, was, I wasn't the fastest, but I also wasn't the slowest. And I just, it was just like one foot in front of the other, you yeah. know? Um, so then I was able to uh, get selected, and then that's kind of where my journey started. Badass. So what year ma- was this? Uh, 2007. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So they're making those, like, <clears throat> assumptions and, and qualifications or tests within what? Like a two-month, three-month span? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so you've got boot camp, and then uh, and then uh, your um, basic infantry training. We call it a SOI, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, infantry training battalion, which is nine weeks long. Um, but there are certain things that you have to have in order to get to the essentially pipeline. And honestly, for me, it was all based off timing and chance. Um, I just so happened that when I got to my unit, they were just coming back from Iraq and the opportunity to join the sniper platoon because as uh marines are coming back from deployment typically a lot of marines are also rotating out of the marine corps uh because they're they're four years of of up of service Mm -hmm. and now they're going out so so like new new blood's coming in and i just so happen to be that new blood that they needed snipers to join the uh join that unit okay yeah Mm. yeah so timing yeah yeah so so i always say to people like honestly um I fell into the community by accident mm. uh, just because it was just like nothing that, I mean, I played video games growing up <laughs> and uh, you're good at duck hunting. I, I don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't think I ever once told my, my Kuya Pep here that I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a sniper one day. And he probably didn't even fucking think, think so either. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I was, um, it's not like I was a fucking terrible person or a shit bag or whatever. I just like, it was just like out of the ordinary for me. Yeah. And, um, it caught Peppy to catch you off guard. You're like, what? You doing what? Yeah. <laughs> well, you was the one that got picked up. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh oh. I can yeah. protect so I myself yeah, now, Peppy. I was a little guy, I right? Um, oh, okay. And so now that I'm older, like, I, you know, we sprouted kinda, when you were like 17. Kind of, pe- yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we kind of peel back that layer of like why I joined the Marine Corps and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, when I joined, when I became a sniper, it was just like super out of the ordinary. And the reason why I say that is because when I became a sniper school instructor, I had Marines. That was that was like their life goal, uh-huh. right? Of, mm. Is to be, to be an instructor. A, no, to be oh, a, a sniper. To, to be a Marine Corps Scout sniper. Oh, okay. gotcha. Okay. Right, and like this is what they you know they dreamed, yeah. they dreamed and lived for. Oh, this is right, their right, like the their place. lifelong exactly, dream. Exactly. And you're coming in. You didn't even know. You just That's walk right. right into oh, it. Oh exactly, shit! Right. So like it was so hard for me <clears throat> to like 
talk with them and 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 and, and be on the same level with them because so like who the fuck are you? That's right. Kinda. That's right. Like almost yeah. felt like kind of like an imposter, right? But like mm. I, I was already, you know, I was already a seasoned sniper. Um, and it just felt, I felt bad when I did have to drop certain Marines from sniper school because they didn't meet the, you know, certain qualifications and stuff like that. But they were good. They were yeah, just good Marines. Yeah, they want it in their heart. That's right. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, me, it's just like, by by sheer timing, accident, right? Even though, like, well, you know, some skill and I'm, talent I'm, I'm te- going I'm, you on know, here. I'm technically I mean, and, you know, uh, physically proficient, in, you know, to do the job. I just felt bad in terms of, like, it's just a different mindset. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with a lot of things in life, I mean, to, timing and luck yeah. just happens to yeah. happens to play in, you yeah. know, with it. Like skill and talent got you to a place where the demand and need for something was there and your criteria met that clash. It's yeah. just all kind of like, and yeah, I mean, it's got to be weird to tell a guy who's been doing it forever. Sorry, man. Yeah. yeah, or yeah. just someone that like, just like this, like this is that why was their dream. This, this is why I joined the Marine Corps, and like yeah. me, I was just like trying to get by. I was like, yeah, yeah, I didn't even know I was going to do this. That's right. I was yeah. like, I was like, oh man, I'm here, and I was like telling my cousin, my cousin, last like, I'm in in the infantry. My mom hated the fact that I joined the, the Marine Corps. And, yeah. You know, oh, really? like, oh, there wasn't was like, a lot of support. She didn't there? support that. Oh no, she. Um, yeah, it was like she was like, well, once she found out that I was going to become a Marine, she was fucking crying. She's like. She like, have a hardcore she, accent too. Yeah. Does she yeah. talk just like? Yeah, she talks just like. Dilip, yeah, dilip. yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I had a, I got an in home Lola man. Oh, so, do you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so she was super pissed off and and uh, you know my dad knew it was coming that I was going to join the military, but he didn't think that I was going to you know go to the extreme of being an infantryman. Mm. Because this was also at the height of the war of uh, 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 OIF and OEF. You know, we were both in Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Afghanistan, yeah. So, like, teeth of uh, it. Wait, yes. IEF and OEF? Uh, so, uh, OIF and OEF, which is Operation Iraqi Freedom and oh, Operation okay. Uh, okay. Enduring Freedom. Yep. I know military, like the Anchor School District, likes a lot of No, acronyms. yeah, I'm glad you said that because a, <laughs> a lot of times, yeah. So, OIF was Operation like Iraqi Freedom, way. and then OEF was Operation Enduring Freedom, which was uh, our operations in Afghanistan. Oh, okay. Yeah, so in 2007, we were pretty much at the height of for sure Afghanistan and we were at the tail end of Iraq for deployment. Yeah. 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 So Mm -hmm. like essentially, you know, my parents knew I was going to combat uh, eventually. Well, I think as a, as a parent, definitely an Hispanic parent, like that was almost frowned upon. Um, I don't know how it was for you. It was like, no, you're going to start a business or you're going to be a mailman or try to find some good, like, raise federal job, yeah. you know, and raise mm-hmm. a family, not go out to the IBW. military. Yeah, IBW. Like, my dad was trying to get me to be, like, an electrician and stuff like that. And, like, military was never, like, never discussed, was never an option. Yeah. I didn't know anyone in the military. I mean, is that how it was for you guys? Yeah, pretty much. I, 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 there was no one other than maybe a cousin uh, or two that joined the military prior to me. I was the first Marine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, after that, there's Weren't only they been... straight A, like, straight-laced cousins, too? Yeah, yeah. They were? Yeah, we were, okay. we were all pretty, for the most part, pretty uh, so, so it caught some family off guard that it was yeah. like, well, these guys should be going to college or yeah. 
being educated or and so they're going to go to the military why would they do that right especially for me like if you if you understand how i grew up and like me being like i i I would consider myself the baby of the generation okay um yeah you know talking about get togethers like we would have like these wrestling brawls <laughs> in the downstairs. Oh, oh sure, yeah, sure. With all the old the yeah, yeah, cousins right. are just kicking yeah, yeah. everybody's asses. Oh yeah, and I was a I was a baby boy cousin, so there's him, and then uh, our our cousin uh, Eon. You know, the the two, and then everyone else is all girls, right? Okay. So like I was always getting picked <laughs> and they on by, kicked your butts, by these man. two. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So like literally, like, and 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 when I wasn't at little Filipino girl cousins are mean. Oh, dude. Filipino girls are mean in general. So. <laughs> yeah. This is why I'm not with one. Because <laughs> they're crazy. I love you, I love you Rina. I love you. Uh, I'm, I'm, asleep asleep around around I'm assuming your wife's Filipina? Yes. Awesome, yeah, awesome. So yeah. you got some culture there. there yeah, you go. we do. We do got cool. it going on big time. Big time, yeah. No, I, I got to experience some of that. Um, just hanging out with my boy Chris and, and hit their family gatherings. There's, you know, always the wrestling matches. There's always the... Everybody's bowing up on each other all the time. All the little cousins want a piece of the big cousins. That's right. <laughs> Usually the little ones are the feistiest, though, right? I was a little feisty. Yeah. Wait, but which one's younger? I am. Yeah. You're, yeah, the, you're the baby, yeah. baby, yes, right? Baby. Okay, okay. But he put me in my place real quick. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No other there's, a high, there's a hierarchy there. <laughs> that's right. Well, so I'm glad you said that. Is uh, People always ask me how the military was, and for me it was easy because – there was already hierarchy established in our family. In the right? culture of your family. Exactly. Yes. It was easy mm-hmm. to listen to people that was above me, regardless yeah. if I respected them or not. Like, that was just a hierarchy. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, if someone tells you to do something, you're going to do it without mm-hmm. asking any questions, yep. right? Yeah. So, like, for me, that experience in the military was easy because it was like, I've, I've been doing this all my life already, right? Wow. Yeah. Transition so, you never knew would even happen so smoothly. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. So you get into the military, and then you get chosen for the sniper, um, scout sniper school, and then so did you get deployed to some of these places? Yeah, so I did uh, four deployments um, uh, during my time, uh, one of them being a combat deployment, three of them being what we call uh, marine expeditionary units, which are pretty much uh, just like uh, floats in preparation for any kind of a crisis that's going on in, in the nation. close to the area? Uh, the, 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 I guess the... the the biggest analogy I could, or like-minded is the recent events in Afghanistan uh, during the extraction. Mm. Uh, so I've got some pretty good uh, close friends that are uh, leadership in that that unit. They were on a MU, is what we call it, Marine Expeditionary Unit, and they were on their way home. They were two weeks away from home before they got rerouted to help out with the Afghanistan evacuation. So that's essentially what those are in place for. Mm. Right? Those floats. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So the... Um, the Iraq deployment was pretty chill um, because we were on the tail end of it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then, I mean, pretty much we call it booze cruises, visited Thailand, Philippines, uh, Dubai. And then my last deployment, we were sitting in Africa for a little bit, just kind of waiting for something to pop off. Mm-hmm. But um, So when you're deployed, are you on um, like a ship or are you at like a, like a base? Uh, so my Iraq deployment, we were on base. And then my other three deployments, we were pretty much on ship. Mm. Yeah, ship life. How's that? Oof, man, <laughs> I, I I would love to never ever be on a ship ever again. I tell you, oh, really? Yeah. So I mean, for us, it's pretty chill because like we're just occupants. Um, call them oh. marine, marine carriers because you're you're a specialized uh, unit. That's right. They're they're just essentially transporting us. So like the navy hated us. 
Um, sure. Because you, you guys are in this other little section with these nicer you rooms. You don't have to clean up and, and do shit. That's right. Well, <laughs> well we still got to do stuff. And, like, we're not in, in nicer areas. Like, we were living in these these racks and stuff like that that were, like, four high. But when it came time to, like, you know, we call it general quarters or shit was happening with the ship, we'd have to just sit in our barracks or our um, birthing areas. And, and let I'd, the guys do their work. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so, like, we were just there taking up their, their air and oxygen, you know. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't like ship life just because, like, I mean, chow lines were, like, there were specific times. You know, you got to wake up from, like, 6 to 8 or then, like, 11 to uh, 1 and then, like, 4 to 6. But, like, the chow lines would be, like, two hours long. So oh my God. to start to start eating at four, you got to jump in line by two. It's fucking insane. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Was it like college where you had to sneak a couple sandwiches for later? Yeah, 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 yeah. Up later That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. Stuff back. yeah. I, you know, when you were mentioning your um, position on the boat, at that time, I, I, a movie came to mind. Can I can I reference yeah, it? Yeah, I'm trying to. I want to say this so it doesn't sound like cheesy. Okay, uh, the movie um, Captain. Um, uh, it's in Africa. It's the oh, um, the piracy, yeah, the yeah, piracy yeah. movie. Um, it's Tom Hanks. Are you are you guys the sniper that's, guys? It's funny that you say that. Come my, through with the tight quarter zips, like all ripped. And my just, second like, make deployment. Shots. Well, our ship, our ships were the ones that were the the Magellan Star is what you're talking about. Our ships were uh, the ones that um, helped with that uh, operation. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. What, is that like, like you specifically? Not me specifically, but our our units uh-huh. that, for that. Oh man, I messed that up. Oh, you're supposed to do it by the mic. I know. We still heard it. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, you have okay. other opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just when you were mentioning that, really I thought to myself, anyway, so. <laughs> there was a specialized unit on that yeah, boat that yeah. came into effect when the time was needed. That's right. And so is that with, with kind a, of a, with a good yeah, that's example? That's exactly. Yeah, okay. That's exactly. That's a perfect example. Okay. Yep. Yeah, Marines on the boat, but not the actual boat. Not like the. Oh man, I'm messing. I'm not it all following up. you. Have you not seen the movie? No. Marines on a boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so, I so, know <laughs> about the Magellan <laughs> no, Star the incident in real life. Yeah, yeah. So, so essentially, we're just there because they're they're taking us from from one place to another on a ship. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And like we don't do anything besides eat. <laughs> go to the gym yeah. and sleep. Right. And so when it when when stuff when stuff actually happens, um, that's when we actually gear up and then we, we either get deployed uh, tri- from yeah, there to get, whatever get, the situation that's right. is. We either get deployed via um the cricks on the boat, which is are these little small boats, yeah. or via Hilo. Okay. Right. Uh, are the insert platforms to get us to, to land. Captain yeah. Phillips. And Captain that, Phillips. And Thank that's you, what Daniel. this movie is about. You well, haven't watched Captain Phillips? You haven't no, seen that movie? No. Oh, Are you the man. only one that hasn't seen that movie? You gotta I watch don't it. Dude. Watch movies, dude. Well, I, I don't watch a lot of really movies hard. either, but I, right. I, I caught that up. one. I got that one. Anyway, there's a there's a oh, scene sorry. in the movie where these badass sniper marines get on the boat on on a uh, I don't know if it's a carrier or a battleship or whatever they got on to, but uh, they get set up in a position where a sniper makes this like unbelievable shot through like. A dime uh-huh. and on a boat and you know moving and yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. The the lead up to that is like 
you know, there's the guys on the on the the vessel and they're doing their thing, and then this elite crew shows up. Yeah, kind of like take charge, and I'm sure that's a little Hollywoodish, but they like take charge. They get set up, and then you know their their unit does their part. And, yeah. And when he mentioned like what they were doing, I'm like oh, that kind of sounds. Oh, like that sounds cool. Those guys. No, and those guys it. were like, you know, when they came to the movie, they were like the baddest ass motherfuckers yeah, in the yeah, whole movie. Yeah, yeah. So I'm assuming you're part of that. So you're assuming badass. the real life is like the movie. Not at all, necessarily. <laughs> like Hollywood. But I'm getting that Philip was part of a badass unit, and yeah, I'm sure yeah. he can yeah. attest to so that, right? Back, backtrack a little bit to the training that would have taken place go. before you showed up on he those four tours. Up. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I deployed my first unit as a, uh, as a non-sniper. And what that means is in order for you to be recognized in the Marine Corps as a sniper, you have to go through their school, which is uh, Marine Corps Scout Cyber School. Uh, when I was went through, there's there's four of them, uh, Hawaii, uh, SOI East, which is in Lejeune, Quantico, and then Camp Pendleton. Which and you is have to go to all of, four. No, no, no. You just have to go through one of them. Okay. They all ran What's the, the bad assessment. Uh, Pendleton, which is which in, is where? which is the one that I taught at. This yeah. is Camp Pendleton is in California. How'd I yeah, know? Yeah, that, that's first. How'd mar- I know? First Marine Division. Yeah, yeah. 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 Is all that right. the one near San Diego? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cali. Yeah. So, right. um, that was a good answer, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm gonna get so much shit for saying that. All my boys, I set you up, bro. I set you up. I set you up. They're gonna like this motherfucker. He thinks his unit. Yeah. So, so I didn't go to school until 2011. Um, So I was a what we call a pig. Uh, Pig stands for uh, professionally instructed gunman. That means you're a part of a scout sniper platoon. So they try to make it sound nice. Yeah, yeah, but you're not a sniper. But you're not a sniper. Okay, right. And then you're you're, learning. You're you're watching. Yeah, that's right. You're Mm. you're you you can you can essentially um, do the task of a sniper, but you're not seen from command from like higher ups. Um, as, a, as a sniper, you're still active. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, essentially, because because uh, what what battalion commanders, which is like a, a colonel, like the boss, the the guy that's like uh, he he wants to know what uh, capability that he has. Yeah. Um, oh. When you're when you're not a sniper, you're not recognized as a capability. Right, so like, mm-hmm. if I've got, you know, he can't put his name on that. Exactly. Right. Yeah, you're so, like extra credit than exa- when you're there. Exactly. Though. So okay. it's like, so, oh, yeah. we got this guy too. <laughs> so, um, fast forward, I became a sniper, uh, which now, once you graduate sniper school, um, which is a, a pretty tough, one of the toughest curriculums in the Marine Corps, uh, you become a hog, which stands for hunter of gunmen. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So the school's thirteen weeks long. A little more badass. It's a little more badass. Pig the hog. Yeah. yeah. Hog. yeah. Way so better than the pig. Bringing yeah. the hogs. Yeah. So it's yeah. funny because when I when I started teaching at cyber school, there's a lot of like instructorisms, right? Like you call your pig, you call your students pigs, right? Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, I was going to say there's got to be like pig. Yeah. 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 Come here, pig. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it makes them feel let really Sean, good Let Sean, motherfucker. Let Sean. Extra crispy. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so, uh, no, yeah, yeah. so the school's 13 weeks long, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I was a pig for three years before I got an opportunity to go to wow. sniper school. Yeah. Okay. So How long is actual school? Sorry. Oh, I was just saying that, was that a grind or what? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Every day is, uh, every day is a competition. Cause that's like practice squad. I feel mm. like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're like a team. Well, so it, the way it works out is. Do you feel like JV? 
You're, you're essentially JV, right? Yeah, you're like, yeah, like uh, trying to get up there. You're you're essentially working out every day to try to get recognized by your seniors mm. in order to be able to be like, I want to send this guy to school next because the way it worked is that it, it was based off unit availability uh, for that schoolhouse um, because they only could take 32 students at a time. Um, but sometimes you would only be able to send one or two, right? And so you got a platoon of, let's say, 32 guys, six of them are snipers. The other 26 are not snipers, mm. but I can't send all 26 yeah. because there's other units that need to send snipers. So I can only send two of you. Yeah. So now I got to compete with 26 on the motherfucker. Can I? Yeah. 26 on the motherfuckers, right? Who are my, who are my best friends and my yeah. brothers to be like, no, I want the spot because I'm yeah. better than you. Right. Right. So every day was always a constant grind of like, of like showing, uh, my seniors of why I was the best and the be best candidate to be able to go to yeah. school. Well, that probably breeds the best person to step up, mm -hmm. you know, when everyone's trying to get oh, yeah. into that school, yep. everyone's trying to be the best they can be. And the coaches or the uppers decide. Yeah. And when know. they show up, they're going to take it serious and get as much as they can out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I had a weird kind of question. So, like, and this is all around cyber school, and the specifically the Hawaii one. Like, around like 2005, there was this article about um, all this like dude who was going to run help. It was a private party that was going to help run the Marine Sniper School in Hawaii. Okay, and they gave him a bunch of money, and then he ran away with it. Do you know about this story? No, I do oh, not. Okay, I always wanted to know more okay. about it, but I, f I thought maybe you would know. But you can't like I've searched it. I can't find more about it. But yeah. Anyway, I no, always wondered about that's that. That's crazy. Anyway, I will, I'll I will. send you the link. Yeah, sometime. yeah, yeah. Wait, what happened? I'll find real quick? it. Like, so what? I have like a loose like connection to the, like this event. Okay. So that's why it was sent to me. Yeah, yeah. But um, like not in my family, but a loose connection. <laughs> so so like I I think it was Real it was loose. sometime after um, what you know the the. Iraq, so what was that? U Iraq, UIF? Oh, OIF. OIF. Yeah, yeah. It was right nice, after that. Nice, you know, Jack. sometime like in that first couple of years, they needed, you know, we needed to boost our training capabilities. So the government reached out to like ex-Marines, ex-whatever, you know, specialists, and um, they gave a bunch of money to this group or a person whatever um to to do like a privatized sniper school and it was in hawaii and there's an article about this that i'll find but it was like they gave him a shit ton of money and then this dude like ran with it oh, and so man. but you're running from the u.s military like yeah, this seems like yeah, the craziest yeah. thing ever yeah. <laughs> and so i've always just been so interested in what happened and you can search the internet you can find these articles about like okay this is what happened but then there's nothing at like what actually happened afterwards and it's just, it's, you know, we all know what happened afterwards. So, right? so I'm smiling because like there's an inside joke in our community that's Hawaii is not a real schoolhouse. <laughs> oh no! Oh, that's funny. So like, so, so oh, like, no. there's always a running, there's always a running joke with other snipers that like, oh, you went to Hawaii? It's like that you're not even a real sniper, you know? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. Oh, that's yeah, but funny. no, I mean, it's a legit, right? Um, it's a legit schoolhouse. They, they they actually closed down when when there was a huge budget cuts in the military. Okay, they were the first actual school to go. So when I started teaching um, uh, at Cyber School at at Camp Pendleton, we only had three schoolhouses, which is First Mardiv, which is in Pendleton, California, uh, second, which is Lejeune um, in North Carolina, and then Quantico. Mm. 
yeah, yeah. But it, it's funny that you say that when I when I pass this podcast off and people hear about that, they're yeah, like, yeah. They're like, oh, leave it to fucking Hawaii. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, imagine homeboys in the back of a Lincoln or something somewhere. Man. Oh, That's no, what I wondered. Yeah, like, I, well, I, mean, I bet just... he's like buried in the outback because he for sure ran. <laughs> he for sure ran out of the country. You know. Yeah. Like, it, but yeah. Like, anyway, I always back. wondered what happened to that. That's funny. All right, sorry uh, let's for let's, that one. let's um let's take a quick second here and give a let's couple shout outs to our sponsors. Um, let's give a shout out to Taylor Restoration, twenty four hour emergency services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since nineteen seventy two. Services include fire, water, mold damage, post emergency cleaning, remodeling, and the aftermath. Taylor has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you at any time, day or night. And listen, guys, really put this number in your phone if you're from Anchorage because when you need this person and when you need to call this, you want this number. It's 344-1239. That is the tailored restoration number in Anchorage. Or wherever you're listening from this, they'll answer and, and connect you to wherever is closest to you because whenever you have some sort of water problem or a heater problem or a roof problem, you're going to want to call this number right away, and they're going to have someone out there as soon as possible to go ahead and help you take care of whatever that issue is. Let them know Alaska Wall Project sent you, tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Serrano's Mexican Grill, my personal go-to for authentic Mexican food. It's Anchorage's own new generation of cocina. All recipes are inspired by their rich heritage and family know-how. They make all their ingredients in-house. Both the Tudor and Northern Lights locations have tequila bars. I recommend the Mescalita. And I also recommend the Serrano's Burrito, which we eat on Canning Day often at Double Shovel. Locations on Tudor Northern Lights. Follow their food truck location on Instagram. I believe their food truck is coming back in January. And check out their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. The Treehouse, AK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway. Alaskan's own grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off the treehouse where the culture lives. I read the intro. I like it, though. Yeah, I like it. Sounded good. Yeah. I'm going to run with it. It was good. Um, I, you, I want to backtrack. You, you mentioned something earlier, Philip. That kind of um, actually, I don't think we even mentioned uh, your Instagram is Vallejo underscore zero three one seven, and and also the company that you are a part of, a co-founder of, is at Modern Day Sniper. Um, what's zero three one seven? So zero three one seven is the MOS, which stands for Military Occupational Specialty. Code for uh, Marine Scout Sniper. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you're looking to um, uh, find Philip on Instagram, go ahead and hit that Vallejo, V-E-L-A-Y-O underscore 0317 or Modern Day Sniper, and I'm sure you can connect his account from there. Um, but you mentioned something in the very beginning. Let me see. I wrote it down. You said that you had never fired a rifle or any type of gun until you went to the military. 18 and, years old. And you said that, you learn proper techniques because you didn't start off with bad habits. And that just got me thinking on how I learned to shoot and how from the get-go, my dad admittedly was not a very good shot. Um, and he's the one that, you know, taught me and I kind of taught myself after that. So I never really had any type of proper instruction. I didn't go to any kind of school. I just had my dad who's, you know, 
from Colombia out here trying to shoot moose, like trying to teach me how to shoot stuff. He did the best he could. And, and, you know, he did really great. And and I've had to learn a lot more on my own, but I want to know, like, what are some of these techniques when you go to the school? Um, first off, how long is that sniper school? How long does it take? And then what would you say is the number one technique or or habit or bad habit that we should avoid this is a, like a, a multifaceted question yes it's great yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, run it so 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 <laughs> let, let, i'm gonna start off with your your first like uh of, of talking about how you grew up and and stuff like that and um you know i want to say that uh that it all links back to your definition of being proficient behind a rifle it's going to be a lot completely different than my definition yeah. of what it means to be proficient behind a rifle does that make sense and yeah. i'm not saying totally. that, that it's bad no but, it's, oh, but, 100%, I, but I get essentially it. if you come to me for instruction i want to get you to my level gotcha. right because you obviously are, are paying me because you see me or maybe some of my peers or other instructors at a level that you want to get to in terms of proficiency behind a rifle does that does that make sense 100%. absolutely and, and not, not saying that what your your dad taught you was incorrect right because a lot of hunters that are not trained are capable of doing and getting it done. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. 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 But then let's, the, the question is like, okay, well, what if, what if I can make you even fucking better? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is there, is, yeah. What, what does that look like? What does that, what does that training look like? Yeah. And so that's, that's essentially what, how I'll answer that question. Right. Uh, so, so that's that question is, uh, cyber school is 12 weeks long. Um, the first nine weeks is dedicated strictly to marksmanship. Mm. Um, which, in the field, yep, at the range, behind in the, field. the rifle, yep, yep, yep. Um, so when I was teaching at cyber school for three years, I was a primary marksmanship instructor, so I facilitated all the long range instruction. Uh, I have a, a passion for shooting, and my passion actually, my passion is mainly for teaching. I just happen to teach my hobby. Mm. Um, That's well, a great passion. Nice, nicely said too. And, and I, I, I love because you know people always say that like. You know, you should never mix your your hobbies in your work. In, in, in work, right? Because then you just mm. you end up start, start hating. Well, my passion is teaching, and then I just so happen to teach my hobby, right? Got it. Um, nice so reversal. I love I love the light bulbs. Uh, I love you know when I'm um, I'm able to communicate specific information and stuff like that uh, to to people about long range shooting or, or shooting in general. Uh, I, I love seeing the light bulbs click. Right. Yeah. And then um, see their mind unlock and that, like, oh, right. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then not on top of that, you know, um, at at uh, at face value, right? You guys probably would look at me and probably uh, on the street and probably never think of me of being a probably <laughs> Marine, Marine Scout cyber. <laughs> no, you look like right? a regular guy. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm. Not, yeah, I would not. I honestly, yeah. to answer your question yeah. honestly, yeah, I if you said, hey, did you know I did this? I'm like, yeah. oh, oh. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. Wasn't my first thought. No, but no beard, no like tactical, which is fine, right? But, sure. uh, you know, when, when I dive deeper in the layers of like of instructing and, and communicating and, and, and barriers to entry, right, that immediately lowers a barrier for entry for someone mm. to communicate with me. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Wow. Oh, it okay. does. Oh, okay. okay. So there is a perception when you think about a marine sniper it's the guy with the beard and the muscles and the tattoo and he's got the glasses and he has there's the, there's a narrative the right thing. that's right that's right there's, there's a narrative, narrative that, that and, and hollywood has painted yes thank you right yeah uh, all american boy from texas that's right okay you're right. not that specific i'm not no, no you're, you're very the approachable. All, you're the all-american boy yeah. from alaska yeah okay who's a filipino guy yeah 
But like you said, the beard, the muscles, the tats, the all the stuff yeah. is yeah. It's yeah. the Hollywood thing. Yep, the Hollywood thing. Thanks for right. pointing that out. Yeah, because well, because no one like, ever thinks about that, right? No one ever thinks about that that immediate barrier to entry. Mm. This, I mean, again, it just goes into my deeper diving of understanding of effective communication, right? Because mm. uh, mm-hmm. what what we like to do at Modern Day Snipers is our goal is to deliver information, right? Yeah, and we want to try to do that as with minimal barriers as we can, because when you know when. Uh, one of the things that I say is that closed mouths don't get fed, which is like, hey, if you come to instruction, you're paying us to teach you. Ask us questions, yeah, even if you think, it. even if you think it's a dumbass question. We're yeah. here for you. Exactly, like, ask yeah. it. And I can't answer a question if you don't tell me, right? So yeah. closed mouths never get fed. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a mind reader here. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, but like immediately, there's there are, there are just based off of the the, the narrative and the stereotype of what uh, Hollywood has painted marine snipers or or snipers in general of this guy in beard tactical out and stuff like that yeah. I think your you partner know, from, is from the narrative actually let me get that guy up there Kalen yeah <laughs> he is like no he just adds that legitimacy like, yeah, straight straight up, he does, dude. He, he does. but i understand yeah. your well, yeah. your approach almost yeah. like a teacher approach whereas if if you can make it like oh this guy's just like me this is a regular person then you feel comfortable enough to ask the questions that you don't that you might have felt stupid that's right asking you know some guy who looks like you know he might choke you in three seconds that's right yeah, 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 and so came my business partner. What we were talking about, there's like, your boy right there with the with the dad hat and the beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when when uh, you look when you hear his story, uh, he was I mean he he became a marine to become a Marine Corps scout cyber. Yeah, that's why it's mm. so crazy that him and I became business partners and Intertwined, we, yeah. a co-founder modernity snipers because we're complete not polar opposites we have a passion for obviously sniping but in terms of our journey right yeah, yeah. Um, the other the other day i was cooking or the other month i was cooking in his, his kitchen and uh so sometimes when i'm when hanging out there we'll take turns i cook breakfast he'll, ki- he'll cook dinner and we were sitting in the kitchen one time i looked at him and i was like canley do you think we would have been friends in high school <laughs> <laughs> And absolutely not. We're just completely, <laughs> completely different people. But, uh, wow. yeah, just to go back to your question. Um, yeah, so cyber school is uh, uh, 12 weeks long, nine weeks strictly for marksmanship. Uh, but the, I would say the biggest bad habit that I would want people to avoid is, um, like, with modern rifles and understanding uh, the body ergonomics behind a rifle, is uh to square up more efficiently behind it right and that your body has a lot more influence than you think behind a rifle than you do Mm, right um in terms of like efficiency behind recoil management right and uh understanding that as a rifleman right when i when i pick up a rifle i should have accountability for every shot that i take if i take it if i take a shot and i had no idea because recoil threw me off my shot right um, but like my spotters there is like, oh, you shot him, right? That wasn't accountability of your round. You were relying on somebody else. Um, does, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, right? absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Like every shot that you take as a, as a shooter, as a rifleman, you should have 100% accountability of where that bullet goes. Right. So you got to yeah. see it all the way through. That's right. You got to have mm. like a full data perspective on the whole thing without support, without, without, if with, need be. That's right. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Well, not to hate on my dad, but my dad, um, when I was like, this thing hurts, you know, he just gave me, he went to his truck and he got a soccer shin guard and he put it in my shirt 
on my sweater <laughs> and put it in. I vividly remember yeah, yeah, one of the yeah. soft ones, dude. And he put it in there. It's like, boom. And he's just like, now you'll be good. You know what I'm saying? And now that I think back about it, it's like, well, now this is like out more. It's like not in the right spot. You know what I'm saying? And that was like the technique. He's like, well, we'll stop the pain. We'll put a shin guard. <laughs> When you feel the adrenaline, you won't even feel it. Don't yeah, worry that's about right. It. That's right. And, and well, so I'm glad you said that. A lot of people say on bigger cartridges, right? Mm. And so, and so, a lot of people. I'm going to share this podcast, right? And a lot of people that are going to are going to listen to this are going to start laughing because when it when it when we get into like long range hunting, selecting cartridges and stuff like that, and training, the higher the cartridges is, the the bigger the cartridge is, right? Even though it's meant to take down something that's probably fucking huge moose yeah. bear right the less inclined that shooter is to train with it in the off season because mm, you know it that? hurts and you don't want to practice right and we talked we talked about this we talked about this earlier right people uh, hunters that are extending their ranges do it probably more often in the field than actually in training mm-hmm. yep right because of the opportunity that arises yeah yeah does that so, make so sense? You're, yeah. you're learning how to shoot on the fly in the field versus going to the range and like testing this new gun out with this cartridge. That's right. No, no, a lot of guys do that. Yeah. And there are more guys doing it than ever before. But in general, the guy that just kind of like, when I'm shooting, it's shooting at an animal. Yeah. Like I don't shoot a lot. Like I go and make sure that it's zeroed. Yeah. And one, two, maybe three shots, I'm good to go. Well, really Mm -hmm. practicing training and learning is like going out, laying on a dirt mound or a Mm -hmm. grass mound or a rock on a hill and shooting yeah. Down, angled, over, over with wind, whatever. Mm-hmm. No one's doing that usually. Most that's of right. us go out and zero our rifle and we're gonna go out and shoot a caribou. That's the that's the average hunter, right? right. That that, yes. that shoots twenty rounds there you go. before the season. If that. If that, right? If that. Um and the uh, way the, ammo's the, been, Philip. Oh, yeah, you oh, might yeah, shoot five. No, one hundred. sixty dollars, dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, just availability. You I can't mean. even find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I'm sure that you guys have been in situations right where you you saw a, a shot or an opportunity, you're like, damn, I could have shot that, but you didn't know your capability as a shooter, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, oh man, and like right here, right? Yeah. And, oh. and, and so. It hurts so bad, Philip. I had that happen this year. For especially in, in Alaska, you know, where there's a lot of ter- a lot of openness, mm-hmm. right? Especially mm-hmm. in certain areas where you could probably shoot something four or 500 yards. And, and again, I don't want to dive into the ethics of shooting long range, but the definition of long range hunting to sh- hunters are, are completely different. Right. But mm. what if I can tell you for me, I can effectively shoot something and put that bullet exactly where I want to out to 600 yards, right? Put right. that bullet exactly yeah. where I want to mm-hmm. in time and space to make sure that is the most ethical and clean kill that, that I can possibly have. Right. Right. To where that animal's not suffering. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. Right. And, yeah. and that was the only chance that, 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 that um animal or whatever gave me at that time yeah yeah well that's a big debate i mean i personally will will never maybe because i feel like my skill level my skill level is 300 yards or closer and i and i i feel as if like most people that's probably most alaskans that are just average hunters 300 yards or closer is probably the average level of what they at but that doesn't mean that if you have the skills or the ability to go further and still have the same effect um that the ethics are off 
Yeah, it depends what you want to. I mean, you gotta you gotta do what Philip does. You have to go train and practice. You have to go get real instruction and to be able to shoot that far. It was like when we were coming out of Toke a few years ago. You know, this other guy had killed this monster sheep. I mean, it was huge, and we were like, "Man, that's a big sheep." Tell us a story, and uh, and he he starts telling the story. He's like, "Oh, I got pinned down at nine hundred yards," and you're kind of like, "What?" Like. You couldn't get and closer. Then, so you shoot at 900 yards, and then you hear the story where the bolts are flying, you know? Yeah. Like, it wasn't one bullet where yeah, yeah. it should be. So, uh, And that's the problem, okay, so is this they're is not the, training. The, okay, this is, this is the problem that I have with long-range hunting is that in itself. Um, I'm an... I'm a... And when I say this, I say this at, at, as as humbly as I possibly can, but I, I would consider myself a professional shooter because that's right. really what I get paid to do. Yeah. I, I, would, I think you can qualify as that. Yeah. I, would not pay, I would not shoot something at 900 yards. Not because it, it, it's – but there's a level of difficulty in understanding conditions, right, that really play into luck when you're taking a shot, yeah. shot at 900 yeah. yards. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I yeah. shoot out to 12, 1,300 yards competitively all the time. Right, I, I more competitively shoot now uh, uh-huh. than like anything. A thousand yard shot is something that you do, yeah, on steel, but on a on an actual live organism, right? And making sure that that bullet goes exactly where I want to, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And this is a this is my issue with long range hunters yeah. is that they there's systems out there, right, where you take a thousand yard shots, yeah, that are dialed and in click, for you. Click. That's right. Yeah. But the person behind that system is not a $10,000 shooter. Right. He's a $10 shooter. Mm. Mm. Well, I think on top of that is the adrenaline. Yeah. I mean, being at the range and shooting something and shooting far away versus you're about to take this animal's life and you're yeah. in the field and you've been hiking and you've been sweating and you got yeah. this backpack and you're on the top of this thing. Yeah. It's like the adrenaline that happens when you're right there, like that's got to be a a technique that's maybe learned you, on how to lower that down. Uh, so we always say that you always lower, you always go back to your lowest level of training. You never rise to the occasion. Mm. Mm. Oh, back to the yeah. basics. Yeah. 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 Whatever, whatever your lowest level of training is, you're always going to revert back to in a high, high stress situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I bring a shin guard with me. Mm. So when make I'm the <laughs> hardest shot of your life feel like the easiest chip shot you've ever made. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Something you can do your, with yeah. your eyes closed. Yeah. Yeah, so like that that situation with the nine hundred yards, I thought that was, we couldn't believe that someone yeah. did that, right? I mean, yeah. growing up here, I think three hundred yards is a long shot for being for an yeah. Alaskan going out and doing that stuff. And now you're shooting up a mountain, all this stuff. But also, there's like the whole pe- part of like winning in in their territory, and like a thousand yards, like no one's pinned out. Like you know, you shouldn't nine hundred yards. That's just too far in general. I think you should get closer, right? Yeah. And I, like. I'm new. I'm super. Absolutely. And to be fair for your guys as listeners, like I'm, I'm fairly new to hunting, right? Even though I grew up in Alaska, I, I really started hunting uh, the last couple of years. And this uh, previous year, uh, I went uh, on a Wyoming elk hunt, um, and uh, it was about a week long. And I was bringing a 6.5 Creedmoor. Uh, are you guys familiar with that cartridge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. That's people, very popular. Yeah, yeah, a lot. A lot of people hate that cartridge. Yeah, there's like a love hunting. hate thing. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, they hate it for long range. They hate it for con- just in general. It's like hunting. oh, yeah, okay. Because yeah, I, yeah. I'm just thinking about when you're talking about long range shots. I talked to this guy, and he had hunted some caribou, and they were all priding themselves on their 500 yards, six five Creedmoor caribou kills, and I was like, that was their main goal. Was to be like, oh, we kill these caribou from this far, and I'm just like, wow, oh, okay, 
Yeah. Like I, 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 at the time I didn't really like, I didn't think about, yeah. like, I just thought you just got like 150, 250 yards. Like that was, like, you just got close. But yeah. so my perspective on six, five Creedmoor is I thought it was ideal. Yeah. Long range. Well, rifle, so, right. So there's a lot of hunters, especially that hunt like big game, like moose and, and elk and stuff like that in Wyoming. They don't consider a, a six, five Creedmoor, a, um, Oh, long range hunting cartridge oh, for that type of big yeah, game. Yeah, because of um, because of how small the projectile is. Oh, okay, okay. Like so, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I got that part. Yeah, yeah, I got that part. What kind of grain is it? One forty eight to one forty five, one forty seven. One forty seven is like yeah. ideal size, right? Because um, I was comparing it to a two seventy. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I, when you like look at ballistics, mm-hmm. like they're not that. No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking twenty five out six, but yeah, the the six five is like that. Can still kill big game, but not not efficiently. Yeah, like yeah, I mean, you're killing 1,200 yeah, pound yeah. animal. Do you really want to smack it with 147 from 900 yards? Yeah. Well, so that's the you thing know? is I wouldn't shoot it at 900 yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this, this there's is, no energy left, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what's it going to do? And this goes into our mission of of modern sniper of like understanding like the science behind what you're bringing to the fight, right? Like, if you mm-hmm. know if you know what kind of rifle you're bringing out there, if you understand the education of terminal b- ballistics of that bullet. And your training of like, okay, I've got this bullet. It's going to do this at this X range as long as I can put it exactly where I intend it to be. Not like this. Shot placement. Not like this. Like, oh, I've got this 18-inch kill zone that I, as long as yeah. I get it somewhere oh, here. Oh, the, yeah. the corner. It'll right? work out. Right? It'll yeah. work out. Right? And that's where a lot of times hunters, in my experience, try to bring a bigger cartridge mm. to mm. offset what? Mm. Uh, uh, shot placement. Yeah, right? aim small, uh, miss small. That's baby. right. That's right. So uh, I brought a six five Creedmoor for my elk hunt, and I knew I wanted to shoot that thing less than four hundred yards. And and a lot of it was not only the cartridges that I was bringing, but the um, uh, there's a gri- there's a uh, grizz bear threat in in Wyoming. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where I was at. She wanted something heavy enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, but. Um, I also brought my six five Creedmoor out of spite <laughs> because again, there's a, there's a lot of hunters out uh, there yeah. that say like you can't hunt with a six five Creedmoor, yeah, right. But but as 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 a as a hunting instru- or as a as a, a long range shooting instructor that teaches hunters, I wanted to also teach from experience. I hate teaching from like oh I heard this, I heard that. Like I yeah. love teaching from experience, right? So like I'm gonna do it myself. Yeah. And I did find it. out if this works. I did it. Took two shots at 465 yards, right? Mm. But if someone were ask me to if I would do it again, I wouldn't, right? Because there's oh. there's unnecessary risk that a hunter is taking by taking a six five grade more. And right? what is that? And that's you know um, shot placement, right? And the g- given opportunity to send another round if that animal lets you mm-hmm. right and so i was given a second shot second opportunity after i shot you longed him and he sat still uh he and moved then... he moved about uh like 25 30 yards oh okay right? and so then, he did walk slow yep and then i shot him again after he stopped um but you have yeah. a very good video on that yeah did you watch the video yeah yeah, yeah. and so like i i can't expect a shooter that's not of my skill level to replicate that in the field mm. does that does that make yeah, sense yeah. to be able to hit it a second time just as efficiently as the first time that's right that's mm-hmm. right and so that's why like even though it's 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 been done and it's capable of doing yeah i'm not going to recommend it to a shooter that isn't able to train the way that i train right because again our level of proficient behind a rifle differs here at the table and so yeah. what what gun was it, or how how far was that 
465. What would you recommend? Say someone is capable, but not at your skill level in your moose hunting or uh, elk hunting. What what kind of caliber would you recommend? Ooh. From that distance, you're asking? Yeah. From that distance? Yeah. Ooh, I think I think that the two staples in my head, as long as you're able to shoot consistently, is probably a 300 ca- cartridge, mm-hmm. like 300 PRC or 300 Win Mag, mag. Yeah. Um, or, or even a 7 millimeter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are my two favorite cartridges right now for long-range hunting, mm-hmm. um, mainly because of the uh, – aft- or just the uh, support for um, – uh, factory ammunition out mm-hmm. there mm. right mm-hmm. um and then, and then the type of bullets uh made for hunting specifically for those yeah. cartridges yeah right yeah um the barns the nozzler that, that's the, right. the good stuff that's right mm-hmm. um the, but you know another thing for to hunters to keep in mind is again the, the higher the cartridges is the less inclined they are to, to practice, train with yeah. it in, in the offset and that's my yeah. thing is like is like that animal that you're going to take that season deserves your time behind the rifle. That's right. Mm. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Great point. It does, man. Great point. I grew uh, up shooting my uh, 7mm, and I love it. I've mm-hmm. killed every animal in Alaska except for a mountain goat with that. And then uh, now I've been shooting the 300 Winchester short mag for a while, which mm. it, the bullets are hard to find, but at gumption. least in Alaska. But, man, that gun is, is money. And it's interesting – because I like shooting that more than the seven mm, but I'll go with a buddy, and they'll shoot my my three hundred Winchester short mag three or four times and be like, "I'm done." Yeah, and I I don't get that, but I think it's like how I support the rifle and stuff versus what they're doing, mm. and I don't have any professional training, uh, but um, the only training I have is my dad uh, shin guard. Yeah, no. He, <laughs> his buddy that he climbed all the Tetons in Wyoming well, was, was a Marine sniper. Yeah, okay. And so when when he already knew how to shoot, but this guy Steve Rosberg, he's kind of a famous Alaskan kayaker. He, he's an ex Marine sniper. He had taught my dad some simple tricks. Yeah, um, which hopefully we get into later, and that has helped me. But regardless, like I go with these other guys, it's beating the shit out of them, and they would never shoot my gun twenty yeah, times. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I get what you're saying. Yeah, and, and you build a level of essentially confidence and and it's essentially you know when you when you shoot more with your cartridge you know but but if it's the first cartridge that you shoot i mean i'm sure you guys have big rifles that you because you guys are hunters by trade right that you probably let your significant others have jumped on to shoot that are smaller framed oh, yeah. they shot maybe one or two and they fucking hate it yeah. right because like oh, yeah. that initial impulse of recoil our body's not designed to take it right so yeah. what's the immediate thing that happens when you when you when you take your shot you blink yeah, it's, yeah. Your, it's your body's natural reaction mm-hmm. right. to protect itself right <clears throat> and so what we found at modern day sniper is that when uh there's a link to higher cartridge rifles mm-hmm. and shooters that are just beginning in their path of long-range shooting or just shooting in general and usually those are intertwined and there's a flinch that develops yeah. because what happens is that shooter now prepares themselves for recoil. Yeah, muscle memory. That's right. So they roll into it or some something like that, right? And it develops bad habit, right? Yeah. Because it's just mm. it's just fear, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, of of trying to handle that specific specific gun. And that's why for me, I like smaller cartridges because uh-huh. I can shoot more and train more with it. Yeah. Right? More enjoyable too, right? Th- that's right. Um, yeah. And um, but you know, I, I to be fair, I'm building a you know, dedicated elk gun or a big game gun for next year, like a 300 PRC, uh-huh. right? Because Sweet. I, I want to be able to, again, 
um, confidently go out to Wyoming and, and shoot an elk at five, 600 yards and not have to worry about putting two bullets in him. Just yeah. Like one yeah, bullet, it's a 1200 right? pound animal. That's right. And it, it needs some knockdown power. That's right. Yeah. Right. Cause there's people taking six, seven, 800 with yard the shots efficient hunt, with the efficient shooting, putting them down. But it now in Wyoming, sometimes four, three, three, 400 yards takes seven or eight hours to get to. That they, canyon. Oh, because you got to go down a ravine. That's right. And just, yeah. and they, they get there, and the animal's still alive. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Right? Shit. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah that's that super terrible. horrible, right? Wow. And, yeah. and, you know, they got to put it out with a 9 mil or, or, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, no, I want to make sure by the time I get to my specific animal, like, it's oh yeah, out cold. Yep. Philip, so with that... With oh, that no, way, with that flinch, what are like your tricks that you go to? What yeah. to, when you're teaching to make that yeah. flinch to go away? Uh, let the shot surprise you. Yeah, yeah, All always, right. always. Um, a, a lot of instructors will will. Um, there, there's some there different schools of thoughts of like depending on what level of uh, you're at in terms of um, proficiency behind a rifle. I like letting the shot surprise you. Yeah, uh, because you're not you're not doing anything with your body prior to. Right, because like if you know it's coming, right? Yeah. If someone throws a jab at you, what are you gonna do? You're You're gonna flinch. You're gonna gonna flinch. You're gonna move. Right. You're gonna gonna tense your body up. Yeah. Or like when you're falling, right? Like skiing. You're you're gonna prepare. Like when you when it's it's like almost like when you're like when you know you're falling and like skiing or snowboarding, like it hurts more versus just letting it happen. Oh yeah. 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 Just keep your legs together, baby. That's 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 right. Yeah, roll into same, it. Same, same exact concept with with long range shooting. It's like it's like, hey, I know this recoil is going to come to me, yeah. but just let it just let it come, right? Mm. Yeah, so right. that was the same message that we got growing up. Yeah, it, and then what we would do is the first shot if we flinched, my dad would load all the bullets after that, and that's one of the tricks he learned from that sniper. Yeah, was that uh, if you load them, you don't know when they're empty, so you look like a real asshole. Yeah, when you flinch and there's not a bullet behind. Yeah. Oh, you just drive yeah. fire. Oh. So you dry fire. I don't know if you if you do that. No, we do. We got ball and dummy drills. Drills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's we'll, it called we'll, again? A ball and dummy drill. We'll, okay. we'll have just a dummy round inside of a, and you'll see it's like a dummy cartridge, and you know they're they're gonna shoot it. Yeah. But then they close, or they 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 try to they yeah, try yeah, to yeah, yeah. Right before the shot mm. happens. Yeah. And yeah. then everyone laughs. Yeah. 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 Philip, I was wondering about when you talked about that four hundred and fifty-seven yard, uh, four sixty-five, four sixty-five shot on the elk. That's a long way. So kudos to you. That's a long shot on a big animal. So, so this goes um, back to our definition of proficiency. Okay. Right? Because your definition behind a rifle, right, it's just a lot different than mine, right? Sure. And, and I'm not saying for you, for like for you, that this seems far, but for me, that doesn't seem far at all. That's sure. like half. That's like a, if you're regularly shooting 300 yards and you got something at 100, you can be like, oh, I got this. That's like for him where he's normally shooting at 1,000 and this thing's yeah. at 400. It's yeah, like, oh, shots, might as well like, just sweet. stab it. Yeah. 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 So I was just curious about how do, I, how do I say this question? So combat, training, recreation, hunting to kill. How does it feel as you prepare and you pull the first trigger and then there's always a follow-up shot in any thing that you're doing as far as hunting or combat right like as soon as you fire you're putting another round in right like I, so so how was that as far as making that long shot on that elk and then the process of putting another round in like 
was it that that training that just you followed all this criteria and these steps yeah. or did it all break down and go kind of wild on you when you went to kill some an animal because was your first big game animal right yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, for, uh first elk i shot uh, yeah. an animal before oh all oh, right uh, okay. And a okay but like first like yeah why uh, elk bull elk so how did um, it apply to all of them i yeah, mean yeah. you were a trained long-range shooter yeah. you were killing an animal yeah. The application and how is it different from the other so one stuff. of the first things that i will tell your audience and you guys is that uh you know in, in the marine corps we have this one shot one kill mm-hmm. um which is complete fucking like bullshit <laughs> okay. right way way harder than it looks that's yeah. right well not only that is that um you know uh someone that's doped up on 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 all sorts of drugs uh and, and and just people in general that are hyped up whether it be a two-legged critter or a four-legged critter their mm. will to survive mm. is 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 it undes- in- indescribable Got right it. so and, and i say that is because if you're if you're going to take a shot you should always be prepared for a follow-up shot and and that's a that's a trainingism that stands from both hunters and uh, military is that usually they just train for that one shot and then move on to the next target and they're training in their head like oh i've hit this one target i'm good right you guys probably don't when you guys go to the range like mm-hmm. oh yeah. i hit my target i hit 100 now i'm gonna do 200 i'm gonna do 200 right but, yeah. you never, but never you never stop and s- assess to see if you've achieved desired effects mm. right because we're just mm-hmm. we're just trained to do because it's when, when we're point. shooting steel or shooting paper it doesn't give us the reaction that we're looking for right yeah Right, like yeah. what? 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 It does, just ends right there. What does a two-legged it. critter look like when they soak up a one seventy-five grand Sierra Match King or a one forty uh, four-legged critter look when they when they soak up a one forty-three grain? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. And, it's and a, it changes every time. That's right. That's right. In, the, in terms of the reaction of their their body, right? Yeah. Um. So for me, um, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. And this is, I think, this this comes from numb from shooting so much recreationally and competitively uh-huh. is that I just saw a, I just saw a target in my kill zone. Right. And I need to put that bullet exactly where I needed to. And that's what I kind of honed in on. And then when I took my first shot, it ran off. Right. And honestly, I think because of how light of a bullet I was using for that elk, I, I barely saw it soak up. Right. Because yeah, so far I'm away. sure you guys have seen kill, kill reels oh. and stuff like that yeah. with like big, like, whether they dump or they just soak up. Oh, most yeah. of them, the big, big animals like that soak them up. Yeah, they most, soak them up. More times than not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I got confirmation from my spotter that I put that bullet exactly where I needed to, mm-hmm. right? Because I was there was some wind involved, right? I was holding oh. about, uh, so in mills, five tenths, which is considered about um, about close to two MOA um, at 465, which is about uh, 10, 10 to 12 inches of wind I was holding mm-hmm. uh, for 465. From, from left to right. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. From left to right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so when he moved and stopped, that's when I knew I needed to send a second one for security. Mm-hmm. Right. But w- from my experience, there's a lot of there's a lot of shooters out there that probably wouldn't have delivered that second shot based out, out of not fear, just lack of training. Mm. Is what it what it just uh, 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 boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, you know, even the military, you know, it's a is a, a, a stigmatism or dogma mentality that we're trying to get rid of in the cyber community is that like one shot, one kill mentality, you know, and, and where we where we train is like take one shot at a huge piece of steel and move on to the next target. 
Yeah. So, well, that doesn't really happen yeah. when you actually it's, shoot. It's funny you mention that because um, in, in my group, and I'm not trying to call anybody out or anything, just in general, I hear a lot about like, oh, I, I took this animal. It's like, oh, did you get him with one shot? Yeah. And I'm like, man, it must be nice because like I've made lots of Boilermaker straight double long shots on animals and they didn't just dump, you know, and I had to shot them again. And then they got up, and I had to shoot them again. It was like the, the will for the animal to survive was different from the one that just mm-hmm. one dumped. That's right. And, and then they hang their hat on this, like, oh yeah, I'm like a one shot wonder hunter. And I'm just like, most of wait the, till you try to, what do you shoot something that doesn't die real easy? But most you know? of the time, I see the like the big um, moose and you know go down in one shot. It has to do with less like nailing the boiler maker because. Like if you yeah, knit, if you, if you or, knit, or no, they're taking, the spine or yeah, something. they're taking like the back of the shoulder out yep. too, yep. or like, or like the low spine, you know, and they're aiming a little high. I've done it by accident, you know, where oh. an animal just dropped and you're yeah, like, you didn't Whoa. mean to hit it in the spine. No, like, yeah. I, like I just aim too high, you yeah. know, like I aim higher like, than yeah. I should, but then they fall down in one shot and then you watch this other guy nail, you know, right, right to the heart kind of yeah. shot. And you're like, Oh, it was perfect. But then it, takes five minutes or it stands up or whatever Dude, and yeah. then you're just like okay well that was interesting you know but then yours had less damage to the meat so i know right you yeah. shoot something three times and and then there's like no meat damage yeah it's and then you shoot something once and the spine and it blows out the top of the shoulder half the back strap the next gelatin and you're like what the fuck i'm a i'm a big believer in this like high neck shot so mm, I love you know that that's shot. like the moose camp thing, you know, high neck shot. Hit the if spine you have time, and just like we're them. close. We're you know we're not yeah. shooting at four hundred yards. You know, yeah, you're 150, 200 yards max. Yeah, I that. mean this year I was twenty four yards. Right. So that's it's just way like super yeah, close. just take yeah. that like second vertebrae out in the yeah. neck, and then like you got all the meat. It's like the animal's done right there. Yeah. Like when it went and you know went to moose heaven. Yeah. You know, yeah. right away. And, well, uh, and Philip, with your elk, like, was that like a feeling of eternity between the first and second shot? Between the, the scamper away and then, like, putting another one in there? A period of time had passed between then and there? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, everything slows down, right? Oh, and, big and time, so, like, like, super I, slow motion. I almost, yeah. even, even that first shot that I took felt like 30 minutes. But then when I watched the video, from the time that I that I turned it on, turned my camera on to shot, that was only, like, five six minutes right but okay. it felt like i felt like i was staring Which still at is a long time in the moment it, i felt like i was staring i think that thing for about an hour oh yeah right yes yes yeah yeah and then the contemplation of like do i shoot it again but it's just it's uh, hit the lungs i think it's gonna die it's gonna go down but like i need to actually see it hit the ground, hit the ground. so i need That's to right. shoot it again and like yeah. I've, I've been tangling with this because i've had a couple of kills where it was like one or two shots, and then I've had that have taken five. And then I after that, I, I like, sit back, and I kind of, like, you know, I pull that bullet out of the chamber, drop the bolt, and then I kind of put my gun down, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. what did I do wrong? I'm like, did I do anything wrong? Or, like, am I – God, I need to get in the range more. Like, I, all of a sudden, you have all these thoughts that go through your head, and you're, you're questioning, like, man, am I, like – can I make a good shot or am I just like a sloppy shooter <laughs> that happens to get a couple of good kills in a year? Like you get, I, I, I can't help but wonder, and I've never had any professional training, but like I go to the range, Philip, I go to the range. I put a box of 20 rounds before I go hunting. 
Yeah. You know, that's not a lot. Yeah. But I mean, the days leading up to a hunt, if you go put 20 rounds to your gun and you're grouping, you're feeling good. Yeah. You go to yeah. the range. Like, yeah. I never have felt so good leaving the range to a hunt this year to take four shots to kill a moose. But how many times have you sh- actually shot your moose from a bench in the field? Never. Never. Right. Ever. And, 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 and okay, good point. And I'm not, I'm not, good I'm not, point. I'm not trying to beat you up here. I, no, I, the, beat, go the, talk, talk, let's talk about it. Like, uh, I mean, and this is what our goal at modern day sniper is, is, is like, Hey, we want to put you in, in scenarios and conditions that you're going to find yourself in the field. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to be shooting off a bench. You're most likely going to be shooting off the prone or maybe even off your pack. Right. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if you're, if you're yeah. shooting off of the prone position, you're probably going to try to, Especially out here in Alaska, you're probably gonna probably clear some veg, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So you're probably shooting yep. off of maybe like logs or you know maybe even tree off the side of a tree, or, yeah. right? Or yeah. packs. There's um, obstructions, yeah. And um, have you have you ever shot like that at the range? No, I've never actually like really practiced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you're know, the shooting silly from guy. my shooting yeah. from my shooting sticks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On a, on a stool yeah. or, or or on the seat of. Yeah. Uh, uh, or a branch, you yeah. know, you jump off your four wheeler and you yeah. put your 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 gun on the yeah. on the branch, you know, like you don't really do that at the range. Yeah. You know? so, so let me ask you, when you when you sight into your your uh, your rifle on an animal, right? Uh, when it's not off a bench, right? And you see your crosshairs moving across your target. <laughs> yeah. Right. You do. So we call that a wobble zone. Yeah. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wobble zone. Wobble zone. Wobble zone. Yep. Yep. And based off of the size of your wobble zone is an indication of stability that you have in your shooting position. Mm. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because typically when How much is that crosshairs dancing around? Dancing around. Because typically brown when you're in wad. the prone, I mean, that sh- that shit is typically fucking solid. Right. Yeah. It's not or moving. Or its wobble zone is like just... Very minimal, yeah. right? On, on the black or whatever target you're aiming at. Yeah. But when we on get, the edges. When we get higher in these positions that we're not used to mm-hmm. because we're in the field now. Now that wobble zone's fucking everywhere. Yeah. It's dancing around the, the, the kill zone. It's like, or somewhere in the area of where we want to shoot it at. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we're just what we call, I call it timing your shot. Like, Oh, it crosses now. Boom. Right. Mm. Yeah. Like catching the best part of the wobble zone. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Right. So that's yeah. called, that's called timing your shot. Right. And, and honestly, I feel like and, I do that more than anything. In the practice, we try to practice that modern day snipers not, that you're not timing your shot. You're getting that, that wobble controlled to put that bullet exactly where mm-hmm. you want to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, that, and, and, that, and, that, and that goes with body positioning, breathing, breathing. trigger control. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Understanding, okay, hey, this is how I'm set up behind the rifle, this is where it's attached to it's my. Like, Right, it's all up here, and huh? then how is my body influencing that wobble zone? So where it's like it's going from here, right, to now here, to now here, mm. right, and that's just all. That's all narrow that, you can narrow do, that you, wobble zone down. You can do that all with just your body positioning and how you breathe and connect to that gun. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, as as our kids and my son, who's now just applied for his first hunts, and I don't know where your daughter is as far as if she's gonna if you're gonna get her into hunting and stuff like that. Um, what what are some of the the basics that I should be concentrating on? Because he's always, I mean, he shot twenty twos and BB guns and stuff like that. They have zero recoil. 
you know, he's learning safety first. But what are some of the, like, the basic techniques that it's like, focus on this, this is when you should shoot when you're breathing, um, that you would like to teach a child, mm -hmm. like a 10-year-old kid who's going to go out and really step up from like a 22 to like a, you know, to a, something bigger. 243. To, 243 yep. or something that's yep. going to kill something where he's never actually felt that that um, recoil. Yep. And I, I don't have the... Um, shin guard anymore yeah. for him. so i'm like yeah. so, so i want to prepare him like what is some things that i could tell him i mean obviously you said before yeah. like be surprised by the shot yeah. I, I took that to know but what are some other things that you would say like when you're dealing with a child who's never even shot something that ever recalled on that before like what would you say like what would be some of the first like words or steps to take yeah so the very first thing that i that i'd uh, say is um figure out uh, your natural point of aim. And you guys have probably never heard that before. That'd be a great thing to write down, even for your guys' listeners, is natural point of aim, right? And so what that is is a concept uh, between the connection between your body and your rifle in which your rifle's naturally pointing based off how it's connected to your gun. Mm. Does that make sense? Okay, so making it like a part of you. Exactly, exactly right? So once you connect to that rifle, right, what you're going to do is you're going to close your eyes. You're going to take a deep breath in. You're going to exhale, and then you're going to open your eyes. And that body, that rifle is going to tell you exactly where your body's naturally pointing. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? Whether, whether you're like downwards or, or upwards, upwards, right? Because as soon as we grab that gun and we have our both of our eyes open, we're going to drive that gun wherever we want to. Mm -hmm. But that's called, that causes muscle tension, mm. right? Which is uh, 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 against what we want to apply with our rifles, right? We want to have more bone support than anything, right? Because muscles fatigue and our bones just relax and, and, and they don't, they don't fatigue at all. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we have good bone support, we can, we can essentially aim our rifle naturally based off how our body is pointed. Right. And that's just body positioning. Got it. Right. So that's the very first thing because that's going to drive a majority of our gross aiming. Right. Okay. Second is your breathing. Right. You want to fire at the bottom of your, uh, 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 breathing cycle, which is which is called your natural respiratory pause. Your exhale. Yep, that's right. Yeah, exhale. take a deep breath in. Then exhale. Once you get to the bottom of your breathing cycle, right, that's when you want to essentially break that trigger. Right. Got it. Now this is the last thing, which is good trigger control. Right, letting the shot surprise you. Okay. A lot of times, um, especially for hunting rifles, you probably have anywhere from two to four pound triggers, maybe even heavier, mm -hmm. right? The last thing that you want to do is try to pull all that four pounds when you get to the bottom of your breathing cycle. Does that make sense? Because mm -hmm. when you get to the bottom of your breathing cycle, four pounds is a lot to pull in, uh, in, so in, one, rush it. in one split second. So you could have the most stable position in the world, but if you've got shitty-ass trigger control, guess what? You've got shitty-ass results downrange. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. So this oh, is yeah. where this is where dry fire, even in the off season, comes in. Right. Of understanding and marrying up your trigger with your with your breathing cycle, and it's like, okay, I've got a four pound trigger. Well, I'm going to pull out three pounds of that weight as I exhale, so that when I get to the bottom of my breathing cycle, I've only got a pound left to pull out. Oh does man! That, does God. that make? So you're not that, you're not waiting to the bottom of your cycle and then starting to pull the trigger. Slowly pulling yeah. to it surprises. That's you. right. That's God right. That's right. You're it. you're you're essentially because every triggers have a wall, right? Because mm -hmm. you ever feel your trigger and it almost like you can kind of feel it pull back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. a bow wall. That, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. You get to a wall and you're like, oh, it's there. Yep. I got to pull just a little bit of slack out. That's what you want to pull when you get to the bottom of your breathing cycle. But you don't want to try to pull all of that. Yeah, which in jerks that last. That's where you get your jerk. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's and like the, a feather feel. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other trick we did when I was young for this is we would lower the trigger pole from like four pounds to like two and a half for little kids. And it worked great because that mm. trigger pull will surprise you every time at two and a half, it just goes off. It just goes off. But yeah. there's a safety issue. Don't walk around with your with loaded a, with gun. A, yeah, mm-hmm. with a two pound. Two yeah, because it's super yeah. light. But yeah. talk, talk about surprising you every time. Yeah. It will because it just goes off. Yeah. Now, now, what about um, a position to start a a, a, a kid who's going to go hunting? Yeah. Because a lot of times when you're in the field, you're not going to be laying down with the thing and all that stuff, prone, as you yeah. say. Um, you're going to be standing up or you're going to be on your knees. Should you initially start in maybe the position that you're most likely going to be in or should you best practice? Uh, uh, practice in the uh, position that's going to get you the uh, minimal amount of wobble zone. Which, yeah. is the, which is the prone, prone. right? Okay. Yeah. Be- Practice best case scenario. Best case scenario, right? Yeah. And not only that is that, you know, obviously the higher you get off from the prone, right? Like the standing position, you have what, like we talked about wobble zone, right? Mm-hmm. Where that, where that you've got that movement of your reticle across your target. Well, if you start off there, what happens is you start training your, your shooter to time their shot. Yeah. And when you're timing your shot, what are you probably doing? You're jerking your shot. Yeah. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. But if you have a nice controlled wobble zone where it's okay, it's moving a little bit, but it's moving within the, if as, as long as I press a good shot within that area, right. I'm going to hit somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if I'm doing this and yeah. I'm trying to time it, time yeah. to reset. you have, you're erratic as hell. You're That's all right. over the it, fucking it, board. At that point, it's all luck. Mm hmm. Yep. Yes, it is. Which yeah. is probably happening a lot. I, oh, I, for sure. I find it is. that to probably apply more to a real kill situation for a lot of guys, yeah. myself included, big time, where you're trying to balance all the emotions, excitement, adrenaline, pressure. Um, you know, you got your, like, probably your best friend or, like, one of your best hunting partners with you. So you want to, like, Make a good shot for him too. Like, is that am I right there? Like, if you don't got a guy backing you up, and you're the only one shooting, you're like, you're well, I'm it. Like, yeah, I gotta, oh, yeah. I gotta make this happen. Like, for instance, this year when I shot that sheep with Chad, Chad was like the best shooting coach, hunting partner I've ever had, ever. The way he was just like calm, talking to me, take your time. He's literally laying there. He's not going anywhere. Because I was like, wait a minute. Like, There's like no rush. There's no hurry. This ram is laying there. Yeah. It's not like feeding. Mm-hmm. He's not going to get spooked. Even if he does, he's going to like stand up and stand there for a second. He's not going to just run away. Mm-hmm. And it was like the calmest, cleanest whew, spine. Like, That's like, awesome. Went to sleep. Yeah. Calm breeds calm. Dude, I want to meet this guy, Chad. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's Chad important. Arns. Oh, so he, dude, that, that, he's a big time. He's got a gunworks gun. He's a big time. He loves long range shooting. I'll, we'll connect you. Okay, so Chad Arns I'm, is I'm, badass. I'm, you guys will hit it yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that you said that. When you have a partner, it's important to understand that oh my as a spotter, you are a coach, and your goal is to mentor and coach and calm the shooter down. That we is, have never mm. hunted together. We had never hunted together, and. 
I was like, yeah, you know, I shot, I shoot my rifle, you know, I put probably 50 rounds in it through since, you know, before we went hunting. Mm-hmm. He was like, okay, okay. Cause he was kind of like picking at me as we were driving up, but not like, well, do you shoot? What's your proficiency? He wasn't yeah, like asking yeah, me those questions, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he kind of was. <laughs> That's right. I'm curious as to like what my game was. And I was like, well, you know, I'm just kind of like average Joe, you know, but I was like, dude, we're going hunting for sheep. You got a bow. Like we're going to get you a sheep. I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm not the one shooting. Didn't find out I was shooting until minutes before I shot yeah, one. Yeah. And so, but it was like his, his calm demeanor, the way he talked, it was just like all of it just cool. led to this like, well, I want to do that as a dad. Like, like how he did yeah. that, like, I would love to be able to do that as a dad, mm-hmm. taking out my son and my other son or someone's kids out for the first time to shoot. Like, those are some things that are highly important to me. Oh, yeah. Th- being, th- being a good coach. Yeah. yeah. Right? yeah. And, and then, and then just, just like how he talked about, like, your 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 main goal as as a spotter is to calm your shirt. Because you have to put yourself in their shoes, like, what they're going through. As soon as they lock onto that crosser there even even with me when i saw my with my when i was stalking my elk like my heart was thumping i was like oh shit yeah because yeah. like man i don't know if i'm gonna get this opportunity again right right yeah. like right. this might be my only shot you don't want to miss it that's right and so like what do you want to be said to you if you're the shooter yeah mm-hmm. hey calm down remember yeah. to breathe Talk relax that's right good time I, th- I think i had that b- I had that benefit with Kennedy when we, two years ago, when she shot her first caribou when she was 10. Yeah. That caribou was laying down. Remember that little bull was laying down and we made the stock and he had no idea we were coming. And like the other three opportunities we had were all kind of like, they're crossing, belly crawling, wind was howling, trying to get her set up. And it was like two times in a row. She's like, dad, I'm just not comfortable. Yeah. And it was like, Oh man, this is like our chance. Yeah. So I want to be like, shoot it. But I'm like, well, I don't want you to do it if mm, it's going to be no. feel not right. If it's not feeling right. Absolutely. So we watched two nice caribou walk, walk away. Yeah. And it was just like, man, it stung the nostrils, you know. But she was like, didn't hurt her feelings. Yeah. She was like, well, I just don't feel right. Yeah. And then the third opportunity, me. Kennedy, Daniel, Mateo make this like 400 yard belly crawl, like epic stock on this caribou. And it's all alone laying there on a perched on a hill and she gets set up. We get her, you know, we get her a little 308 on a little tussock and she gets set up and she's like, has all the time. I'm like, I remember your breathing trigger squeeze. You know, I'm just talking to her. And then finally she's like, dad, stop talking. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then it was like 30, 45 seconds went by and boom. And then she, you know, goes up, comes down, and then she hits it again. And then the second the second time it, like, flops, she she's like, yeah, she fist pumps oh, hard. And the so first cool. thing I want to do is, like, hug her. And what does she do? She, like, stops me, and she takes that out of the chamber, opens the bolt, puts the safety on, puts the gun down. Now it's time to hug. I'm just like, oh, damn, oh, I completely right. lost all control of yeah. all the safety part of it. Yeah. You remembered every step, and I'm like, <laughs> dang, and we went to shooter safety, and we did the whole thing, and she didn't get any like, professional training, but it was just the opportunity and the talking through yeah. and, and the the spotter coaching. Yeah, Like you might become a coach of a shot that you don't even know, you're going to be coaching. It's just as powerful as the person shooting the, it the, is. the, the end result. Philip, that's, that's right, right mm-hmm. man. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. And I'm, you don't ever know when you're going to be. I love spending my time. As an instructor, I spend mostly my time on class. But the result is just as 
gratifying as that person that's shooting the gun. Yeah. When that's you awesome. see somebody have that success that's or right. build the confidence, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah, it's amazing. As I was looking at your website, I noticed that you guys have classes coming up, mm-hmm. um, some in Florida, some in California. Um, I didn't see any in Alaska. Yeah, what's up with that? I'm just, Dude. I'm just curious on that. <laughs> so so uh, we're, we're actually, so we know the guys up here that run long-range training. Uh, they're up in Talkeetna. And one of my mentors, and when I say my mentors, like my one of the people that I look up to, Frank Galley, he teaches classes up here. He's um, the founder of uh, Sniper's Hide. And um, the very first article he wrote about training in Alaska was phenomenal. He talked about how the guns that he saw were straight up guys, hunters, right? 300 wind mags, lightweight platforms, you know, 10 10 pounds or less, right? Yeah. Where I come from, you know, sniper rifles and competitive rifles are anywhere from 16 to 20 pounds, mm. right? Wow. But you, you don't see that out here. Just no, no. Heavy right? rifles. Well, if you've seen the, the rifle I hunt with, it's about Mine's 11 pounds. I mean, yeah. I, I'm which is, which is Which is good perspective of like, hey, like the people out here. What was, what was homie's name again? Hunters. Brent Galley is his name. Brent Galley? Yeah, so, so he runs tr- classes out here. And um, again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very big in understanding the market space and understanding like, Hey, like, um, like you always, I always want to do right by the people that, um, I uh, look up to in the community. So before I started or like advertising for classes out here, mm-hmm. I wanted to run by it through him. Yeah. Like, Hey man, like I see that you're teaching Alaska. I'd love to teach in Alaska. Is it right if I advertise to teach because essentially because Alaska is so small in terms of hunters, yeah. Last thing I want to do is pull from his market. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, does, does that make sense? And that's important because yeah, sure. the community is small, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, we're looking at actually teaching up here. Cool. Uh, there's a ra- there's a range in Talkeetna. Yeah, that mm-hmm. they, they shoot out to uh, to a thousand. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but um, the one yeah. on the right side going north. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I've seen it. Um, so we're looking, we're looking hopefully to do that in the summer. Okay. Uh, I'll do, do two trips in one, go, go, go to visit family and then, uh, go work for a little bit. Yeah. How long is that class? Like so, so our classes, so we, we've got a, a, a majority of classes. Uh, our main one is our intro to long range, uh, shooting or intro to precision rifle shooting, oh, which is, that. which is four days. Wow. Four days long. Yep. It's oh shit. About, I thought it'd be like a weekend. No, no, it's, it's four days. Yeah. So, so, okay. I'm glad you said that. When I was teaching at sniper school, and I hate saying this, like, back in my day, like, right, because, like, <laughs> fucking people that say that are, like, usually fucking, uh, they're, like, just over in their head, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? Yeah, a little ego-driven. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, but when I taught at cyber school, I had nine weeks to teach someone the basic fundamentals of mm-hmm. long-range precision rifle shooting, right? Now, I mean, I can't. I can't take a, a and, and barely that that even barely even scratched the surface mm-hmm. in right? nine weeks in nine weeks mm. and now I've got to condense that down to four days yeah um, right to make someone essentially quote unquote proficient behind a rifle in terms of my definition of proficient right, right mm. behind a precision rifle yeah right yeah, that's tough and that's four, th- so that's four days is that eight hours a day it's eight hours a day and eight. then how many hours like in the classroom versus the range that's a good question um so we've got our curriculum broken down pretty uh efficient to where uh, the first couple of days or like first half day is the classroom 
right? And then the second day, the second half of the day is all shooting, yeah. right? Where the last two days are strictly all shooting, right? Because okay. we, we understand that in order for mo- m- majority of learners or kinetic con- learners, right, which is people that are hands-on, mm. right, especially in this yeah. technical task of, of learning, we understand that in order for you to learn, you have to fail by shooting, actually going out and shooting, me standing up there with a fucking PowerPoint, yeah, it's not going to do you any good. It's only yeah, so yeah. Far. That's right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Because like, what what's what's funny about long range shooting is there's so many of these concepts of like spin drift, Coriolis effect, fucking wind drift, all these fucking things that people are those all factors that control they, the bullet. They are yeah. right, but once you start looking at the numbers and start like plotting it out on a ballistic calculator that's free right mm-hmm. you're like yeah. oh this shit really doesn't matter mm-hmm. right oh. you start you start to realize like it's the guy that's pulling the trigger oh fuck like they like my ability <laughs> to call wind my ability to pull the trigger in that wobble zone that i want mm-hmm. is really is the reason why i miss at 500 yards not because of fucking a two the mile hour earth. northeast right wind yeah, or that, whatever. that's right yeah. that, that's right <laughs> Where a lot of people like to exaggerate the effects of long range shooting, like, oh, I called the fucking wind call, you know, and in ten mile an hour winds, like, okay, dude, you know, like, um, so we like to for our classes have you guys shoot a lot more, right, and, and put you in in real world scenarios mm-hmm. that we mm. f- we found ourselves as as hunters and snipers in the field mm-hmm. that are applicable to everyone that is behind a long range shooting okay. system. And then, mm-hmm. how like how many rounds are you? Are you shooting your guns or our guns? Do we bring our Good own question. gun? You guys bring your own guns. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And oh, then, really? like over yeah, yeah. that four day period, how many rounds are we? So you're shooting anywhere from uh, three to four hundred rounds. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you bring Get your that own. Tour up you bring shoulder. your own gun. Yeah, yeah. So, Holy so shit! I, I so, better stock up. So we break down uh, the MOA versus mill. Right, because I'm sure you guys have rifle you guys scopes. Must be all self hand loaders, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be. Yeah, you have to be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm just trying to wrap my head around. You're this not going to Cabela's on Monday morning and no. checking for the no, 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 <laughs> every no, no, no. Monday for a year for that baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is some serious shit. Uh, this is some serious shit. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, uh, I enjoy, I enjoy teaching. I enjoy the teaching aspect. I enjoy uh, opening the minds of, of, of uh, shooters that, um, again, you know, when, when you, when you break down hunting, right. Would you agree with me that there's there's three parts to it? Finding, fixing, and finishing. Finding meaning you're you're like looking for it. Spotting. <laughs> yeah. Find your game. Yep. Fixing is like making the tr- determination that you're gonna actually shoot an animal. Mm-hmm. Legal it, stock it, which is get which, on it. which is a split second decision, right? Can then, be, yes. And then your last one percent of your time actually hunting mm-hmm. is actually finishing or shooting it. Yeah. But that one percent is one hundred percent of your purpose of being out there. Yeah. How many ch- of your time do you actually spend perfecting that one percent? Yeah. Mm. Most average hunters, very little time. Very little. A yeah. lot. That, I mean, yeah, a little. Yeah. Yeah, very little. Yeah. Like less than one percent. Yeah. Because mm. I can tell you when, in preparation of a moose hunt, how many hours you spend in the garage packing this and that mm-hmm. and fixing this and yeah. updating that and yeah. upgrading that and f- making sure you got the right pull for the tent and the cooler full right. of beer and all the other cooler full of beer. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but but the survivability is important, man. Like warming layers. Oh, and shit. Like, I learned yeah. that. I learned that shit real quick this past fucking winter. I got to do this. Oh. There oh. you go. <laughs> 
no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, double shovels <laughs> coming in for sure. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely um, done. You had a lot of uh, connections with some of these other hunting brands, um, like uh, for example, Stone Glacier. I saw that you had trained. Um, maybe some of those guys came down to your school. Are you guys familiar with Stone Glacier? Oh yeah, we oh, yeah. run their packs. You guys, yeah. you guys run yeah. their packs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh man, yeah. I, so yeah. what I got to do is I got to get you in 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 touch with those guys. So this this was a relationship that was built before me. My business partner actually built a relationship with Stone Glacier. Kurt is the actual main designer, but yeah, we did train with those guys uh, this past August. Freaking phenomenal dudes, human beings. Yeah. hunters through and through yeah right like with bows and that's one thing that yeah. i want to get i haven't oh, yeah. i'm sure you were talking about earlier like bow hunting like that's one thing that i want to i want to actually like oh, dive into yeah, you'll love a it. whole nother level of like st- actually stalking you got to win in yeah. their sensory zone that, man that's it's right, like the dude. opposite it's oh. complete opposite yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah like actually doing the close stock, can you get? exactly mm-hmm. uh, undetected that's i i feel like that's like stalking humans is easy right there's so many fucking distractions nowadays yeah, 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 like yeah. that, like oh. being able to stalk a human human individual, it's it's kind of scary, but it's easy, right? Yeah, to, yeah. to, to do right. an actual four legged critter. Oh yeah, oh, oh you have to win sens- where every predator are going hard, like they're they're yeah. ready for you to come in. Right. I used to be single. <laughs> <laughs> every predator has failed, right? You got to win in that zone. No, that that's true. That's a whole nother level. Yeah. I I gotta put you in the Stone Glacier, guys. They're they're good dudes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially if you guys run their packs. Yeah. Yeah, their products are awesome. Then and I would say there's probably some that would say in the last ten years Stone Glacier's been killing it in Alaska. For me personally, I'd say in the last five. I've seen them more on a on a larger scale as far as their products being um Maybe more, more commercially available. Commercially available. There because you go. That, that yeah. Kurt, Kurt worked up works up on the slope he in did. Alaska, yeah. or did he's and like an electrician? Yeah, and so like a lot of like these hardcore sheep hunters that you would never know about, right? They got thirty rams. You know, they're they were running his packs for years, but yeah, that's why I no one else would know a decade. Cause yeah. I'm sure that's been around even before that. Yeah, but as far as like mainstream, you know, five years is like mainstream. I'd say more than anything. Yeah, yeah. they've been yeah. rocking it. But they've been doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I and those guys since do. they like moved to Bozeman. Which that's is like probably the, about that's the then. mecca of all gear, no, right? Man. First a lot of, a lot of nice baby yeah. Anchorage. Barney's. Yeah, yeah, we need more in Anchorage. Barney's, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean no, seriously though, like Bozeman's got it. Yeah, they got a lot going on. Sims is down there. Sims, all of it. Yeah. But they all wish they were Alaskan and want to come up here. You know what they I'm saying? They do live in Alaska. That's true. Yeah, you you get a chance to go to their their setup down there. Yeah, they've got they've got a pretty dope setup down there. Do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, in so you should never trust a person with a that only has one pack, right? In terms oh, of like giving sh- you like pack don't talk about how many packs I got. I've got like fucking fifteen, sixteen fucking packs. Okay. Like come from companies yeah, that are right you know, everywhere, right? right it's off. like it's like no. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I got like seven. Yeah, and I thought I was like, man, like. You know, some of them just collect dust now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, I, no, you know, they served a purpose at one yeah, point. They did. They did. They, 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 were, they were an educational purpose. Right? Exactly yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yes. yeah. So, like, yes. now, like, and I can't even say this enough, like, not only do I love those guys uh, because of our relationship, but I honestly think they're probably one of the best packs in, in the market in terms of for, like, a, a hunter. Um, well, you're a Marine. You packed. You right. use packs. Well, we, didn't, so we, you, we weren't educated on packs. That's a problem. 
Mm. Oh, you you use what you, what was given what to you. We were given to you, yeah. But okay. we weren't properly taught how to utilize like load bearing. Use your waist strap. Like mm. I never I never remembered using my waist strap at all for the first like <laughs> eight years. Like you just threw that shit on your shoulders yeah. and you just walked. <laughs> right, right. Just learned the hard way. That's right. And and so with like Stone Glacier, like sometimes I forget that I even have a pack on. Oh yeah. Have yeah. you guys felt that? Because yeah, the way yeah, it's yeah. just ergonomically That's set right. for your yeah, body exactly. type. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. like, you know, some, with, with some some packs, like, you get that shoulder strain. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. Where it's, like, super tight, and you're just, like, you have no... Yeah. You I do have that. <laughs> yeah, or my... Or uh, the Koyu, like... Oh, man. Oh, the teeter. Listen, yeah. I love a lot of key stuff, like, as far as, like, the pants and some of their super down, but that backpack that does that... I can't. Yeah. yeah. When you're on the side icon? of a mountain and you got 100 pounds and you got to yeah. constantly fall, shift it over, die. dude. It's, yeah. If you fall and you like, die, and you, it's not fucking good. hated that thing. Get the WD40. I did find that that Stone Glacier, it's just like what, what part pack, of you. What, what pack do you run? I have the Stone Glacier Sky Guide now. Nice. Um, but before that, I had the QU, and before that, I had yeah the 72 Icon. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he has the mystery. Mystery. We've run through packs. Um, but my favorite right now is the stone glacier. Yeah. Um, I really, I really do like the, um, the Kafaru. No, the Barney's pack, the Barney's yeah. pack. Dude, oh, if yeah, you're going to do a huge, really huge nice. pack, but a lot of times that's like simply it's like huge expedition style, like yeah. as far as comfort and just like, mm, the they got it light it. though. So someone ask you real quick. I want to go around the room. What, what's your cartridge of choice for hunting? What's your um, what's your what's your main cartridge? I use a one seventy eight and my dad's thirty out six from nineteen seventy. Do this perfect thing's a tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually ran that uh, odd six uh, thirty out six Weatherby, and I ran the one seventy eight ELDX. A Hornady uh, ELDX. Hornady ELDX, which cool. is a great round, but yeah, yeah. I finally switched over to the uh, GSX uh, uh, Barnes one eighty. Oh, mine's a oh. Precision Hunter. Yeah. Oh, man, what's that that round and the 180 barns are like can't find numbers them, wise are like the, the exact they're same. They're bonded bullets, right? They're what? Are they bonded bullets? Yes, yes. they are. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's just over the counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no. that's important. Again, again, if, uh, uh, the the average hunter, right? It's not yep. out there reloading. Yeah, yeah. No, mm. it's not like what I would choose. Mm. It's what I have, mm-hmm. and I just been rocking it. It's been taking animals. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, I, I'll I be hundred percent honest. Like when you get into ballistics and the rounds and all that, I I don't know like the best i don't do the 100 percent of homework you know what i'm saying I, I will choose a round i used to just go with the remington round that i had from my dad that showed me you get proficient with, yeah, yeah. with that round right. and that rifle and then yeah. you become comfortable with mm-hmm. that and now as why, new why, rounds have come out if it's not broke why, why fix it yeah the, the other yeah. side too philip is like you know growing up hunting with my dad it was like you needed the 338 we're shooting elephants out here you know and it's like uh, it's like Okay, yeah, I need the big round. We're in bear country. And yeah, I mean, I like I have a three thirty eight Weatherby. I love that. I shoot two twenty five barns out of that. That thing, I'm tack driver with it, but I I don't kill with it mm-hmm. very often ever because I feel like it's like overkill. Yeah, and I think it is, but like it shoots so good. Yeah, but I never kill with it. It's crazy. Like it's funny how you you ask that question. I say like, dude, I can go out that three thirty eight and like. For sure, but I'm like, I don't want to blow holes and shit this big, like yeah. for no reason. But Jackie? I love that thing. 
I do. Yeah, if we know we're not going to see bears, if we know we're not in grizzly okay, or brown bear point. territory, then I'll I'll run like a 150 nozzler with the 300 Winchester short mag. But if there's any potential of bears, usually like I'm in territories where there's not a bear and then it's this close. Um, you know, I I run like 180, also a nozzler. Mm. And the the thing about um, bullet selection up here that's real hard is you go to the store and they're not available. Yeah. So, I, like, I used to be real specific five years ago. Now it's like, what's available on the shelf? Okay, I've shot that. I'm comfortable with that. I'll grab these three boxes when they're there. And that's what I'm stuck with hunting for the next year. So what I found that is really disappointing with it being Alaska is the lack of long-range venues out here. Mm. Oh, that with, too. with how mm. big alaska is mm. right sure i know right? isn't that crazy to um, think yeah you know it's because a lot of times people think that like oh with alaska like oh, you probably have like miles of, ranges yeah, yeah it's like but there's a lot of fucking trees yeah yeah, yeah. right <laughs> um but no, no no it makes sense and and, and uh, i'm glad that you guys had had because now i'm edu- more educated uh, as an instructor of like what the average hunter is using yeah Oh, right, yeah, 100%. Like, that's what it is. I'm so mainstream with with what's up to date, right? Because I'm a competitive shooter, right? Yeah, and and At I'm the highest level, exactly. Right? And, and and I'm 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 you know educating people that are trying to get into hunting or whatever. But you guys have thirty out sixes, which is a, it's not a bad cartridge. No, it's right? not the best, but it no it it gets the job done. Yeah, that's that's what matters, right? Yeah. And, and being I mean, as a efficient as you can with that with that with exactly what it feeds the family is being as efficient with that cartridge as you possibly can is important right right it is and that's what's cool when you you said that you want you want people that come to your courses to come with what you're normally shooting come with what whatever the ballistics you have or the rifle you have and you're going to be able to train them with that because i mean sure we could all have dreams to have this badass fucking thing and this cartridge but really like i'm shooting my dad's rifle that he gave to me that I learned from right. him for the last 20 years. All I want to do is redefine your your definition of proficiency behind a rifle. Mm. Not that you got to go and build a $5,000 nope. rifle and save to. up thousands of dollars of hand-loaded ammo nope. and come out with you yeah. on this yeah. course. I, I, want you to, I want you to bring what you're going to take. Yeah. What you're actually going to use? What you're going to what you're going to pass down? Your, what, what you're going to pass down to your kids? Exactly. Absolutely. Now, when I pass it down to my kid. Yeah, I might hit you up and be like, Philip. <laughs> I, <laughs> I got about 5K. <laughs> I need to build something that's nasty out here and come take a course. <laughs> you know, I, I think in layman's terms, there's still the dynamic of just going and pulling the old 3030 Winchester off the off the top of the door. I just found walking, that for mine. And walking out on the porch and, like, shooting something. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, there's... Am I right? Yeah. Like that. That's like a lot of us have that gun in our safe mm-hmm. still, where it's not, you know, like yeah, I'm proficient as hell at 125, boys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's 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 where I'm at with this rifle off that little hook oh, off yeah, the yeah, top yeah. of the door, you I, know. And I think ahead. one mistake, like going back to like our our ammo sl- selection, is like that. Often I'll be in the field with people, and that we'll be looking at this animal at 300 yards, and I'm like, "Oh, are you comfortable? Are you not comfortable? What's going on?" And they're like, "Oh, how high should I aim?" And I was like, "Let me see the picture from the box." Mm. You know, like what, like would you aim what's at your saying? rifle, and what's the box say? There's a there, it shows it, and that these are like basics, like way basic from what yeah. you're teaching, but like you go in the field with these people and they don't even know what that says, 
And so, like, we're going back to, like, hey, you know, I'm not sure what my rifles do. It's, it's like, that's something that every listener here should do is, like, take pictures of all their boxes of ammo and put it in their iPhone under yeah. hunting or whatever. And you can look at it back in the field and know that, like, hey, at 300 yards, like, I need to aim 13.6 inches high because my rifle's yeah. aimed in at 100 yards or whatever. What would you recommend in that situation? Well, so we we dial for for all of our stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. So a lot, yeah, a, lot a lot of our, a lot of our well, all of our schooling is straight is straight dial. Okay. But but when you say that now we we talk about understanding danger space, right? Of mm. like of like the threshold in which your gun is dialed to, mm-hmm. and where like you know you're gonna hit vitals. If you you know you you aim for a clear shot, that's or, what that number right? is. That's what that number is, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're gonna sight in for three hundred, based off of the flatness of that cartridge or capability, right? You should be able to hit an eighteen inch vertical kill zone out to four hundred without having to aim higher than center mass, right? Does okay. that make sense? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, but if you know like, oh, he's at maybe like four hundred, but this thing sighted in for two hundred. Now I need to aim. Mm, six, 10, 12 inches, top of the back, whatever the case might be. Yeah, so yeah, many yeah. variables the, there the, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good point. I mean, I, what Jack's saying, what I'm hearing is like the general shooter who just drew a tier one caribou tag yeah. and just went and bought a 300 Win Mag is like, well, uh, you know, they don't even re- realize that like at 300 yards, you're now your bullet drops 7.6 inches. Right. Well, they know, they know that happens. But they don't even take the picture of the box. So they, they don't yeah. know what... They know that that's going to happen. These aren't like unexperienced hunters, yeah. inexperienced hunters. I, I, meant in, I meant like people in general will go and they don't realize like the, even that is yeah. a factor. Like very like veteran hunters like just know like, oh, it's about this. Yeah. And well, you're like... Mm. Well, let's go back to 18-year-old Phil Vallejo that had no schooling. I thought nice. every rifle printed the same exact fucking hole if you aimed it at the same spot <laughs> mm. yeah. that's right? how I, green your mind was right. like, to I, I thought that like at 100 yards if, if i was pointing at the same exact thing i was going to put that bullet right on top of each other right like, no no it all you, changes that's right like with <laughs> based off of barrel harmonics based off of gravity based off how much influencing of the shooter all these things right and i didn't know about like all this gravity shit Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like I could I could only assume the average hunter thinks that if I grab this rifle from Walmart or whatever the fuck you know mm-hmm. Cabela's out here, yeah. you know, and and the the guy at the counter sights my rifle in, yeah, I'm good out to 200 yards, right? Right. But yeah. you, I'm here to tell you if you're listening to this, yeah. you should always double check your shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, and you'll find out it's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. Philip, what what was um. Uh, talking about cartridge caliber like what did what's your preference like 22 to like what have you shot five you know 50 cals i mean what is your so so my favorite my favorite cartridge right now is a 6.5 creedmoor okay that's the most well-rounded cartridge so like if you look at the the applications for long-range shooting you've got pound for pound recreational um and when i talk about long-range shooting so my definition of long-range shooting is when you start have to when you start have to take in account for atmospheric effects on the bullet, mm. uh, wind, temperature, wind, temperature, pressure, pressure right, um, altitude, mm-hmm. okay, humidity, all those things, right? 
Um, and for a 6.5 for Creed Moore, that's about six, 700 yards, right? Um, and then, so that's my favorite right now, like all around cartridge. For hunting specific, especially like big game, um, now we're looking at a seven class, like a like a seven SOM, seven REM mag, seven LRM, seven uh, uh, low range magnum, or a 300 class, uh, 300 wind mag, or 300 PRC. Uh, 30 cals. Big reason why I'm not a fan of the Weatherbees, even though they're great hunting cartridges, mm. is I call them shoulder killers, right? Because they fucking destroy you in training, right? They suck the, so bad. The dude. guys why that I, I have mules, I call them mules. The, the they guys kick like a mule. Yeah, yeah. The and, and not only like yeah, they kill shit, but the likelihood of you training with a Weatherbee in the off season, right, is is not happening. No. Right? You're signing it that in, thing and, sucks. And, and that's it. Good hunting rifle. Right. Do not practice with that, it a lot. That, that's right, and that's why that's why I dislike. So, so I'm a big fan of of cartridges that are easily tameable, that you can stomach in the off season. Yeah, perfect. Mm. I love it. Yeah. Um, we're well over two hours here, boys. Yeah, all right. Is it two I'll hours? Just, yeah. Damn. That's I want to I want to end this hey, on a quick hey, fire. Do like your, a, all your podcasts go like this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They go yeah, to yeah. Yeah. You gotta come in next. Well, time. We can just keep yeah. going. Right. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we, can like, you know, <laughs> we gotta save some room for the next. <laughs> no, 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 for sure. Yeah, this is this is dope. You yeah, gotta come back in in the summer. You got it. Um, I want to I want to end with a quick fire, and then we'll give a quick shout out to where people can find you yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I like to end with just a bunch of random kind of questions and just see where where you're at. Okay. Um, camo or solids? Solids. Mm-hmm. Childhood hero. Oh fuck! Like anyone? Say the name. Pepe. 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 Yeah. All right. Yeah, my, cousin, my cousin. <laughs> Uh, favorite Damn, game that meat. that just made my heart feel soft. Man. What's that? Favorite Dang. game meat? Yeah. So far, Elk. Okay. Yeah. Optics oh. brand. Ooh. Hollis. Swarovski. Tripod brand. Brand. Really right stuff. Favorite way to cook elk? Ooh. Uh, pan seared. Ever scoped yourself? I don't see any scars, bro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just not a mentor. I have, yes. Okay. In my younger days. Favorite podcast? Uh, my favorite podcast is Real AF by Andy Frisella. Okay. Oh yeah. First Alaska, first Alaska animal you want? Doll sheep. Mm. Good answer. Why is your nickname Flytrap? Ooh, so um, I'm a mouth breather by trade. So my mouth is my mouth is always open. Whether I'm just like you're just standing there looking, just at looking you, down, raised with smoke, please just mouth open. My mouth is always open. That's right. <laughs> what sleeping bag you rocking? Uh, a stone glacier uh, chill coop. Nice. Is that what, a twenty degree? Fifteen degree. Mm. What boots you rocking? Ooh, uh, shields or uh, uh, schnees. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Favorite Filipino food? <sighs> uh, menudo. Menudo. It's my favorite. Nice. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Soup guy. Um, well, if you guys want more info on Philip, it is uh, at Vallejo, V-E-L-A-Y-O underscore 0317 or at Modern Day Sniper. I'm assuming that that's the website too, right? ModernDaySniper.com. Yep. If you're trying to get in, obviously there's going to be some Alaska classes coming up. Um, <laughs> are you open to people just asking random questions, hitting you up on the on the DMs? Yeah, and- yeah for sure. Hit me up. Uh, best way to hit me up is... Um uh, on my Instagram or uh, on my email, uh, I would prefer email. 
Uh, Instagrams usually get flooded, but if you have direct questions, uh, Philip, P-H-I-L-L-I-P, at moderndaysniper.com. Uh, I typically reply back to all my emails versus my DMs because they get, you know, when you put stories and shit like that, they get flooded. Yeah. So yep. if you if That's you if you email me directly, um, you'll get a response. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you, Alaska, for listening. Uh, leave us an Apple Podcast review. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Heather's Choice promo code Alaska Wild. Go to alaskawildproject.com for any hats or merch. Please go to Barney's and support local businesses and pick up some AWP merch. Um, Philip, thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. Great this work, was, This bro. was awesome, man. Thank this you for your awesome. service. Yeah, yeah, Thanks, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah this yeah, was sir, awesome podcast. For sure. We really appreciate everything that you're doing, and um, thanks for listening. Alaska, stand up. Stay wild. You remember my speaking to you of what I call your overcautious. Are you not overcautious when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Looking to buy or sell a home? Look no further than Alaska's number one real estate team at alaskashometeam.com. Decades of local experience, knowledge, and expertise in a competitive real estate market. Alaska's home team makes buying or selling your home a breeze. Give them a call today at 907-277-3777. Lady with the plan, your own Alaska event planner. From scouting the perfect location to planning the tiniest details. Specializing in event management and production for intimate social gatherings, retreats, birthdays, bridal, and baby showers. Find Lady with the Plan on Instagram. The Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off of Arctic and 58th, handcrafted Alaskan-made colonial ciders. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Stop by today and taste an award-winning cider. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska. Built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation. Find their products, such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce carts, and more at the Treehouse AK and other dispensaries around the state. Ask your local bud tender about A-K-O. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. Marijuana has intoxicating effects that may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older. Keep out of the reach of children and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Serrano's Mexican Grill, two locations, one on Tudor, one on Northern Lights. The Northern Lights location has their new tequila bar. Check it out. Also see their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include snow and ice management, weekly lawn care, and more. Get your free estimate today at lawnproak.com. If we never try, we shall never succeed.